Hi, this is your host and judge, Jack. This week, we recorded our episode on The Dragon Reborn with The Way of the Leaf on their show, Tavern Talk. You can catch the audio version here, but we highly recommend clicking on the link in the, in the show notes below for the full experience. Thanks, and enjoy. We have an extra special episode today of Tavern Talk, and I can't wait to tell everyone about it. We have special guests, A Hero's Journey, and this is a kind of a show mashup. What would you say? What, what can we call this? A content creator of fivesome? Uh, mm, hmm, perhaps. I'd like <laughs> to think that we are like a, a smoothie of awesomeness. A smoothie of awesomeness. Well, if yeah. anyone could tell me what a fivesome is in French, I'd love to hear that in the chat. <laughs> Guys, yeah, so let me open the tavern door. <laughs> Just the biggest door in the history of doors. And they were never seen again. You know, that's basically when you're dying and you see the light. Yep. 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 <laughs> that's a that's... DMT trip right there. All right, Dan. Ryan. Yes, we have guests. There's waiting yeah. patiently. You know, but I would hope that heaven has uh, not so squeaky a door. What? Jesus. Heaven? What's heaven? Well, uh, I would hope that uh, the Speaking. afterlife Brother Dan. would have tons of WD-40. Dan. Yeah. Am I sentient? Yeah, totally, bro. Totally. You're like one of the most sentient dudes I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Let's bring in our guests. Here we all are. Hello. Welcome, welcome, Hello. welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome hey. to uh, the, the Tavern Talk. I want to introduce our listeners and viewers to a Hero's Journey. This is Alex, Zach, and Jack of A Hero's Journey. Welcome, guys, to your first edition of Tavern Talk. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Our nods off sync, right? <laughs> so, so I was asking my brother um, earlier if he is... If he and I are sentient, I think it's only fair to ask you guys, are you sentient? I've got my doubts. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays, no, but elsewise, I think we're fine. Yeah. Okay. So, I am. Yeah, everyone else is an android. So, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're basically, is that your, you're like in your Frito Lay coma? Is that what's going on? Uh, Frito Lay would be uh, probably an upsell from what we're normally dealing with. So, oh my gosh! All right, so we're two two TMI, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> we're gonna Ryan, remind everybody we are live. Alex, Zach, and Jack, we are live. Right, awesome. right, right. We're stepping all over their intro. Let's go ahead, guys. Go ahead, give your intro here. Uh, this is the first time we're ever trying to do it live, so let's hope it goes well. Uh, hi, and welcome to A Hero's Journey, brought to you in this wonderful tavern. 
Each week, we look at a different book through Joseph Campbell's Monomyth, and this week, we're diving into Perrin's journey in The Dragon Reborn. All right. And we have our special guest with us. We usually introduce you, you now, so you've already been introduced. <laughs> it's throwing me off my rhythm a little bit, uh, but these are our wondrous wolf brothers and our two very amazing special guests, judges, one of whom has just vanished from sight. <laughs> Maybe he's turning into a wolf brother. I'm not sure. Mm. Oh, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to be introduced. Oh. <laughs> All right. Stereotypical, Jack. Let's do it. Uh, well, for anyone that's not uh, used to our format, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the hero's journey, Campbell's hero's journey. Uh, Zach, you don't get to hide. Oh, dang. I want to be a cool kid. Um, but yes, Alex is a. <laughs> holding up a copy of Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. Jack, you should introduce the guest so they can pop back up. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Sorry, clearly a little flustered with being live. Um, as always, I'm your host and judge, Jack. And this week, we are joined with the amazing co-hosts, Brother Dan. Hey. And Ryan. <laughs> Toodly Lou. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for having us on. <laughs> Oh, did you lose your hat, Ryan, or did you not have a hat? I lost I lost my glasses. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> He's a new man. I well, can't see you know, glasses. Well, thanks for noticing. I really adon I'm donning the glasses because this is this is our most intellectual episode ever of Tavern Talk. We I'm, I'm we're ramping our up our game. This is my intellectual. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, you know. I don't think our audience is ready for this. Guys, are you ready to sit down and actually think <laughs> for once? Deep dive. Let's go. I got my magnifying glass. I got my Sherlock Holmes hat. And guys, I got a song for you. As is, as is uh, part of the, the process, when we have new best friends on our show, uh, we welcome them with a song and with a couple of questions. So I'm going to whip out this song right now, Ryan, if that's for you. Brother Dan, I wish you could lie down and play guitar for us. But I, I really will. like that you say it's part of the process. <laughs> sounds so, process, so clinical, so clinical. Trust the process. <laughs> part of the pattern. Oh, yeah. Also, everyone should know Dan needs to lie down and play guitar because he has always uh, had this, you know, spinal issue. We'll, we'll talk about it later. It's Will we now? All right, can you hear that? Can you hear that all right? It's a little yeah. muffled. Can you get right. move away from the mic just a step? There you go. Beautiful. All right. All right, here we go. All right. Um, <clears throat> Old Joe Campbell used comparative religion to describe, to describe how to craft the perfect story. Joe focused on the Messiah Savior figure and the paths that he took from obscurity to glory. Our new best friends are master detectives of all things allegory. So please help me welcome the lads from a hero's journey. <laughs> do, 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 do. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well done, we, well done, we, we, well done. So. <laughs> I feel like I should have had a lighter. 
So uh, thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you have shown us all. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, I guess, with uh, the book we're going to be reading this week, hope, uh, I think the uh, brothers mentioned that this is a spoiler-filled uh, day for them today, but Alex is going to give us a little bit of a summary. Yeah, so we're talking about The Dragon Reborn. Uh, we're going to be focusing on Perrin, but just quick summary of the whole story. This follows Rand uh, from the valley after the battle at Falma, and he quickly leaves that valley, um, splits off from the group, but we don't really get to see his point of view until we get to the Stone of Tear. We mostly follow Egwene, uh, Perrin, and Matt, and they each have own different stories. Own different stories. For Perrin, he learns about the wolf dream and meets Fael. For Matt, he wakes up free of the dagger and starts his travels, learns about his luck and gambling skills, meets up with Tom, brings Tom back into the story. Thank God, I love Tom. Um, for Egwene, her, uh, Elaine, and Nynaeve, after just getting back to the tower, leave the tower again and travel on to Tyr in search of dark friends, uh, the Black Aja sisters that ran away, including Leandrin, who tricked them um, that first time in the Great Hunt. And also, Elaine and Egwene are raised to accepted. Uh, this all culminates in everyone coming together in Tyr with the Aiel, also storming and taking Tyr, Rand grabbing Kalendor, and uh, fighting Baalzaman for the third and uh, not final time, but for the third time, and this time actually killing him and us discovering that Baal Zaman is in fact Ishamael and not the Dark One. Yeah, lots of process, huh? Yeah. <laughs> these, these books are thick if you haven't read them. They, uh, they're not one you pick up casually. <laughs> Robert Jordan and Thick are synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> and that flippant name of Balzaman, I found confusing. Everyone found it confusing. Rand's like, I killed the dark one. His name's Balzaman, right? That's what he said. And it's like, well, it's the dark one and probably that forsaken instead. Yeah. I don't think I ever understood that. I don't. I still don't really get it, I don't think. There are like very few scattered hints in the first two books that Balzaman might not be a name for the dark one. It might be someone else's name. I I think Maureen reads that on like a scrap of paper. And then Varen definitely has a one, two. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm. yeah, all the names in every book are confusing because they're not <laughs> Jack, Zach, and Alex, and Dan, and Ryan. So uh, anything more complicated than that, I have a hard time. I don't know. They had the gall to introduce somebody named Bilal to go along with Balzaman for confusing us first-time readers like myself. Yeah, right. Jack, just wait. Wait until we get the uh, S-named uh, sisters. Yeah. It's fine. I'm still just trying to get over the fact that I say Dark Fiend in my head, even though it's definitely Dark Friend. <laughs> well, I think Dark Fiend is a much better name. The the way the leaf has a whole uh, canon canonical like story about how we hate the dark friend name. <laughs> dark we, friend is a rallied around Shadow Pal. As <laughs> we come up with it works. Dark friend is not very menacing at all. So yeah, for going. anyone that uh, I was gonna say for anyone that's unfamiliar with sort of our format, we're gonna be breaking the story down into three sections: our departure, our initiation, and our return. Uh, with 
Alex arguing the steps for and Zach arguing against, and then brother Dan and brother Ryan and myself are going to be judging them. And hopefully we'll, uh, oh, that's a very wonderful very graphic handy. that I had not that's, seen before. That's great. <laughs> A warning: There won't be as many cute uh, cats and dogs in the actual story. So uh, uh, there are there are a fair number of cats and wolves. Come on, <laughs> I, right. I don't imagine them being that cute, but that's fair. Hey, wolves okay. are just big dogs. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that graphic will help uh, give you uh, some idea of what we're going to be talking about. Um, so for the departure. This part of the story is kind of like the groundwork, establishing the character and establishing what the journey is going to be that we go on. Uh, there are five different steps. As you can see, the call to adventure, refusal of the call, meeting the mentor, crossing the threshold, and belly of the whale. Um, so all of those are kind of self-explanatory, except for belly of the whale. The belly of the whale is a step where you're kind of trapped and you can no longer go back. You're fully in the world of the quest now, and must continue on until you either finish the quest or uh, don't finish the quest. <laughs> all right. They almost you always finish the quest. You, you always finish the quest. <laughs> so yeah, so basically you guys are all in the belly of the whale. If you guys left this live stream, I think I'd have to send some people over to your house. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd be more disturbed that you knew where that was than anything at this point. <laughs> I'm making grilled tacos over here, guys. <laughs> don't underestimate the puppets. <laughs> <laughs> So for Perrin in this book, I think his journey is going to be accepting his powers as a wolf brother and then saving Fael. Uh, that doesn't come up till later, but that's definitely a big part of his story. So his call to adventure is hearing the wolves kind of tickle at the back of his mind, uh, just reminding us that he has these wolf powers. But he refuses that call, the call to embrace his powers, by ignoring the wolves and focusing on the other people around him. Min and Rand and Leia, the tinker woman who brings uh, Moraine information about the outside, rather than focusing on himself and trying to develop the powers. He says to a wolf in his dreams, I will not let you in. I will not, just further emphasizing that he's refusing this call. Now, he does get a mentor. And I think Gnome, the wolf brother who's gone feral, is a mentor for a lot of different reasons. He shows Perrin what to avoid as he's seen Elias and knows what he can become, but he knows what he could also become now if he lets the powers run amok with him. Uh, for crossing the threshold, there's a couple different things that all kind of happen at the same time. Trollocs attack the camp where Moraine and Rand and Perrin are staying. And when that happens, Perrin fully embraces the wolves and the wolf powers. Um, and then that's followed by a literal threshold crossing when they exit the valley, searching for Rand in, uh, well, searching for Rand. And finally, for the belly of the whale, this point where Perrin is fully in the quest and can no longer go back into the regular world, the same world where she left, Perrin frees Gaul and beats Fael. And freeing Gaul, he's accepting this, this freedom and the wolfness in him and meeting Fael is a turning point in his life as we heard from Min in her viewings. Yeah, so normally now I tell Alex why he's wrong, and, uh, <laughs> but there can be a lot to digest there. Uh, to, and I, but you guys are obviously Wheel of Time experts. Uh, any first shots at, uh, uh, at what Alex has brought to us here? 
I, I think the one thing that came to my mind when you mentioned uh, the mentor, I had obviously in my head thought that you were going to say parent, or I'm sorry, Hopper. I mean, we have a literal spirit guide. I was also a little confused, and I'm reading this for the first time. All right. So the reason I didn't pick Hopper, I picked Hopper for uh, steps that we have later called um, meeting with a higher power. So he's going to come back, and I I do see him as a mentor as well. I just thought that it's nice to get this balance between um, Elias, who accepted the wolf powers and lives still as a human with them, and then Gnome, who has kind of like fallen entirely into this wolfness. So nice to see that little balance. What I had never tied together, which I did when you were listing him out, is he uh, is Perrin releasing Gnome and then later releasing Gaul. Um, so yeah, maybe he was a guide in that he knew what the right thing to do is not to have someone in a cage. Okay. Yeah. Very, very literal mentorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very lead it by the hand. Well, um, feel free, obviously, anyone to interject. Jack uh, does at his own discretion, so you should uh, you should not feel bound by any sort of decorum. Uh, but if we look at, we always accept what our uh, what our member who's arguing for the journey they've set out on, and I think the one he's picked for parent is is quite good uh, for the call to adventure. We already have Perrin doing a lot of, uh, I guess, adventuring in the course of his life after leaving his hometown here at the beginning of, of book one. So I'm curious why this, he's been introduced to a whole range of magic. Why is this one thing that's happening to him that is slightly magically inclined different at this point in the story, Alex? So first off, it's reiterating that, and this is Perrin's special abilities. Like Rand has the channeling, Matt has his luck, and Perrin has the wolves and the world of the dreams, Teleron Riyadh. So it, it reintroducing that and going deeper into that is why this is a call to adventure here. Perrin has a little bit of experience with the wolves, but mostly he's been rejecting them. And this, he's getting, um, reintroduced to the world and pushed further into it. How in God's name did you pronounce the world of dreams? I've only read <laughs> Elrond Riyadh. Uh, I'm looking at some of the uh, the chat notes here for well, the chat from YouTube and they are curious, Jack, if you have read the entire series or if you're just keeping up. Uh, no, I, I have read, I'm reading each book as we approach the episode for it. So, But Jack, are you in the chat? Uh, I mean, I have it up on the side, but I've been mostly trying to balance between right. the. Yeah, don't, don't have and... it up because they want to talk about stuff that happens later. So don't, they don't want to spoil <laughs> it for you. Yes. So, uh, is there okay. is there a possibility that more? What is Moraine's role in this? I feel I always felt like, as I was trying to read this in the lens of this whole narrative, I felt that Moraine was a mentor to him. Very early on, he went to her several times and asked her directly, what should I do or what, what does this mean, et cetera, et cetera, and seemed to trust her implicitly. Yeah, so she's another good option. Um, just she Thanks. does she does exactly say this. Like um, I, the wolf, people who have these wolf powers go into the world of dreams, and she thinks it's the same. She's heard of this, but she doesn't have a lot more information to give him besides that 
this happens to other people, which he already knew, right? He, he already met Elias. Uh, and I, I feel Moraine is much more of a mentor to Egwene and Nynaeve, uh, especially in those first books. And Rand, continuing good to go forward, Rand gets mentored by Moraine. But for Perrin and Matt, I don't see her as that same. She doesn't do a whole lot of teaching for those two characters. Yeah, and I think it's unfair necessarily to list the number of mentors that Rand ends up getting throughout the series because he's it's he's everybody's had their finger in that pie and he's not uh, <laughs> like the, he, that American pie. <laughs> well, um, and he is he's got kind of influence from everybody, so I think it's it's easier to look at these second and tertiary characters for how they're influencing each other than how everybody's all about Rand, which is true. I mean, that's the whole point. So, but for a parent, it seems like there's really two parallel arcs. And before I go on, though, Jack, um, Jack, can you just kindly ask you to turn the chat off, like, and not look at the chat because typically our tavern talk chat is spoiler filled. Yeah, and, I've got it on the side. Don't worry. About all right, me. all right. So yeah, so chat, go go right ahead. Just talk about the ending as you always do. It's weird, but <laughs> just keep keep talking about the very last scene over and over again. It's actually fitting here because uh, when people study Campbell's hero's journey, they and, and what he talks about in his book is that you have to look at the whole journey from where it ends anyway. So maybe they're they're being quite scholarly in their obsession with the final final pieces. <laughs> So what I want to say, though, I, I think that, like, specifically in this book, we have very two parallel arcs. There's one is the kind of like the wolf brother arc and one is him as a Taveran uh, in, the, in the land of humans arc. And he clearly has no fucking idea what to do in both and needs guides. And it seems like Moraine is the hopper to him in real life and hopper is the Moraine to him in the dream life. Whereas he just it, it implicitly trusts them, it, 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 the obvious the obvious trust that he has for Moraine is is there. He never doubts her, and yet he pays lip service to telling both of them that he doesn't want to do what they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's also a bro, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he's just a country bumpkin. <laughs> By book three, does he still do any of them still count as that, or is that just what the lie they keep telling themselves by now? It seems like a lie to me. They've, yeah, it's, it's definitely to... a lie, but it's one they can't disassociate themselves with, right? When you spend a majority of your life, even though you've done these amazing things recently, you can't just all of a sudden admit to yourself that you're not some farm town boy. Uh, but to bring us back on track, which is meant to be my job that I'm failing miserably at, uh, for the crossing of the threshold. Oh, good I, luck, in, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way of the leaf. Good luck. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I was never very good at my job in the first place. <laughs> hours of cutting room on the talking. Uh, why the Trolloc attack? Why is this the crossing of the threshold for you? It's not the first time that even in this book that he's using, right, it, any of his wolf-like abilities, his, his eyesight is always better. And it's, right, that first 30, 50 pages, it's all about how he's self-conscious and trying to hide these things. Mm -hmm. Well, those physical changes aren't the same as the mental changes that he's embracing here. He's reaching out to the wolves and talking to the wolves. He's acting as young bull, right? He's, he's not parent in these scenes. He's young mm -hmm. bull, and he's going fully into that wolf. And it, it's hard for him to come back from that. Actually, he's really embracing the wolves here, whereas he hasn't before. Even if he's using the physical abilities he has, 
the mental change is why I think it's a threshold. Do we all agree that he, at the moment, the Trolloc attacked and he started like hand-to-hand combating them? Do we all agree that that's the moment he fully embraced the wolf or was he like partially? I mean, like what what do we think happened? Alex, Alex claimed it was a full embrace of the wolf uh, mentality. What do you guys think, Zach and Jack? I think it's a partial only in that we don't see him ending up like Elias or, you know, um, Gnome. He's able to retain his humanity in such a way that I think if someone is to fully embrace the wolf, it's you, you go to almost a feral state. And so I think his ability immediately after that attack to interact with the fellow humans kind of takes away from the fact <laughs> that he's fully embracing it. Like he, he like code shifted. He's like a boxer after the match doing, doing like an uh, like an interview on TV. He's like, whoa, hey, code shift. Okay, so what do you think, Zach? Oh, Jack. Uh, sorry, Jack. Yeah. Um. Oh God, camera angles. Yeah. Um, camera. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it's pretty clear that it, that it can't be a full embracing because everything that follows is part of this very extended refusal that we have throughout the first chunk of this book, which is why I don't think it's a point any of us are going to try and argue on. Perrin is someone who's very reluctant to pick up this power. Oh, He's yeah. reluctant yeah. about uh, most things in his life. It he called, Hey, he just says that it's methodical and slow and that people mistake that for reluctance and stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> give alex his call to adventure and his refusal of the call um if we really want to dive in on gnome i think that interaction while a good juxtaposition to what he could become isn't guiding him in a long-term way and so i find it you know we joked a little bit about the oh it sets a good example of letting things out of cages but i think perrin naturally does that because of the kind of person he is not because of the lesson that this one particular person gave him mm-hmm. thoughts alex i uh, i think it's fair um i just really want to bring up really wanted to bring up gnome i think he's super interesting to see the juxtaposition of what could happen but i understand he doesn't really uh, do that traditional mentor thing for pairing he's not giving a lot of good advice or information well, I think I'll let the decider be uh, Ryan and Dan. We always tend to try and find something that counts as a gift from the mentor, other than uh, perhaps figuring out how to work locks. Is there anything you can think of from Gnome that's a gift to Perrin? Hmm. Um, well, maybe, I would go ahead, Ryan. Well, maybe like uh, what's too far? Like he, like he, uh, a way, a way, like a roadmap of like don't go this way because you don't want to end up like me. Right. I mean, if we think of Gnome as being like a scared stiff, you know, this is what could happen if you, if you take too many drugs and you have like some kind of like, oh, then, then I guess, yeah, it does. I think that Perrin's generally a cautious guy, as we've already kind of ascertained. Uh, I don't think that his caution was any more enhanced or minimized by meeting Gnome. I think he was always pretty apprehensive about the wolves in general. And uh, this was just an example. Um, so I didn't see him so much as a mentor. He does, it does come back into his mind. Um, and he does keep that, uh, but I don't know if it really guides his actions. Hmm. 
And can anyone think of a good four-letter acronym for wolf in the vein of dare, but for Randland? <laughs> yeah. Um, Go. Uh, we, uh, old, long, tooth. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> oh, we, old, long, fang. That's all. That's it. It's a we, real. old, long, fang. Wow. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's very clear and concise. It was, it's not good. It wasn't good. I mean, they're dumb, right? But that's what it is. Yeah. The kind of agreed that uh, that gnome, you know, while he may be a cautionary tale, it's not like we see or parents sees even uh, kind of what led him there. He can only make assumptions. Uh, so I think that even plays against it in its own right. But. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you said you've already awarded the crossing the threshold, so we weren't gonna we weren't gonna keep going there. No, no, the crossing the threshold. But feel free to press them on that belly of the whale. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, for your belly of the whale, you have the freeing of gall and the meaning of fail. And while I think this is a very important moment for uh, for Aaron as a character, um, oh no, other way, cameras. Um, I still think that he doesn't understand what he's gotten himself into. Um, especially in that when he's freeing him originally, he doesn't think he's being viewed by anyone. And so adding that outside lens um, takes away kind of from the actions. He was trying to do it sneakily and who knows what he would have done or how he would have done it. If given the chance, knowing he was observed. Hmm. So I think he still would have done the same things, right? He's not, he frees Gaul, and then there's this time where they're just kind of standing there chatting, and that's which is so weird. I was just, yeah. I was I was reading that going like, just guys, just take ten steps, go into a shadow, go behind a behind a wall. Are, are you encouraging and, them to join the shadows? I want to be very clear. Here, right? sure. <laughs> I mean, use it to their advantage, of course. Yeah, I mean, come right. on, be inconspicuous. Yeah. So. Uh, he clearly didn't really care if he was being seen. I mean, like he, he did make a cursory look, but as soon as he freed him, he just stand in there talking. So I think he was going to do that no matter what. And like I said, I think freeing Gaul is kind of embracing the freedoms that the wolves embody and have. And meeting Fael is really a huge turning point for Perrin for the course of this story and in the entire book. Everybody in chat, I'm sure, knows when I'm talking about this, why it's so important. But um, I can take these off if you need to say something. No, it's it's like it's, 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 yeah, it's Well, here's a question. Well, here's a question. Would he have freed the Ailman if he had not heard the prophecy from Min? That is a good question. I like to think that he would have still, but uh, well, I've always had a hard time with Min's giving of her prophecies directly influence said prophecies. And so yeah. like you mentioned that makes, you know, brings that point to a, a bit of a head and a bit of a discussion. What do you guys think? It's the well, whole, I wanna, before we go on, bef- before we yeah. go on, I really want to, I want Jack's unvarnished opinion. What do you think, Jack? Men said it, then it happened. What do you make of that? So I think he probably would have done it anyway because as i think the body count in this book shows as perrin might be the one that's closest to an actual hero of our main three characters oh shit yeah nice 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 yeah um but i think it actually takes away from me from the belly of the whale that he's 
kind of pre-told that this is an important moment. It doesn't, it doesn't disqualify it for me. It just kind of sours me on it that he is told by what might as well be the fates that, hey, you're going to have a moment here and you're going to have to make a choice and it's very important. So be on your best behavior when you say mm-hmm. he even says, "Dang you, men! For why'd you have to tell me them starred visions?" Like he, he remembers them very clearly. It's not that he forgot. They yeah, were it's very present in mind. Yeah, I want to push back on this a little. Men visions we know are going to come true whether she says anything or doesn't say anything. So, uh, but what she? But we only ever see both outcomes, right? We never get to know whether. She says that, and they do always come true whether she says something or not. But right, the event that doesn't mean from her power's perspective that that's actually true, right? She does influence events by telling people. Yeah, is it like a, where you can see the future, but seeing the future makes you cause that future? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Didn't we just put a, a kibosh in all oh. future discussions, Alex? In our podcast? <laughs> we were supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had a we've had a run in with both Dune and uh, the Aberhorizon trilogy, where we've just been on a strain of seeing the future and how it really makes storytelling difficult. That was kind of seeing the past. Thank you very much. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, the Claire are seeing the future in that. Well, I, I'm always interested to hear what a first time reader's opinion is because I believe that some of these issues are still being debated to this day. I think I'd be very glad to know that Min was in the world if I was living in that world and I would probably never want to have a single conversation with her. Well, I do yeah, yeah, I do see two lamps behind you, so I see you have an affinity for lamps. <laughs> oh, what's that? That's a deep cut. Yeah, that was, that was good. Yep. <laughs> and Jack has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm you will though, you will. Confused, but that's yes. fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm I mean, bleeding. I mean, I'm, you, I'm like not even your state. That was for the patrons. <laughs> Alex, I guess my final argument against your belly is that your belly. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, wait. What just happened? My fine. My final argument against your belly. The belly. Is the whale. Yes, the belly of the whale. We we we've, got, we've come across here. Uh, I have I have no opinion uh, strongly either way about Alex's physical belly. Um, his belly, his belly of the whale, uh, with fail. Oh, okay. Um, apologies. So with fail, is their antagonistic initial interactions take away from the fact that she's obviously going to become extremely important in his life, uh, as putting her somewhere farther along the journey instead of here at the belly? (laughs) It's fail. Well, Zach, you've clearly never been involved in a meet cute before, but uh, yeah, the only reason I know that is from uh, Kelly from the office. So. <laughs> Bananas, B A N A N A S. So uh, the antagonistic relationship they have is very important to Fayil's characterization. I don't think it takes away from anything of the belly, and it's I think in fact important. In the story later, um, this is going to come up pretty soon. But I think that viewing Fael as an antagonist is part of Perrin's journey as his temptress, kind of trying to reject that that relationship hmm. that they're going to have. Hmm. Yeah, we can dive into that more later, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm interested too because I my whole thing with his journey I thought was going to be pretty file centric. Uh, with Gall in there, sure, but I thought I thought I thought it was going to be more file centric. Hey, uh, real quickly, Amanda Sowan, Sowan, nice to meet you. I love a new name in chat. Please Howdy. join us weekly. We'd love to have you. Uh, she says, Noam was obviously a man who had many mental health issues before his abilities began. I love that he found peace in the end. Yeah. Me, me too. See, yeah, I never know nice. with this with this series whether that means we see him again sometime 10 books from now living perfectly happily or if this is the last time we ever see him. Nah, he dies of hypothermia two days later. It's, yeah. yeah, it got cold. I mean, that's peaceful, right? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, I, we're getting a lot of pushback. Apparently, I'm, I'm bringing up controversial points. DK Moon says, Men's Visions didn't say Perrin would release the Ioman, only seeing a caged Ioman. Um, you say, uh, no, he only says, yeah, so Scott says, it only said he would see a caged Ioman, not that he would be freed. I agree, but I also think point. that, right? Like, but if, like, you know, if like I'm, um, you know, I routinely like like drive by like axis on the side of the road. But if someone like says, "Hey, Ryan, something something about an accident on the side of the road is going to be really important to you," I might at that point fucking stop for the first time yeah, ever yeah, and be like, like, "Oh my god!" Well, I mean, this accident might be the one, and I might go in there and like you know save a baby who I then mm -hmm. raise to be a wolf brother. I was going to say the next president, but that's fine. Do you have to name it Axe Caliber at that point? Ass Caliber? Axe Caliber, thank you. <laughs> okay, whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. Name? I have tinnitus from all the punk rock I used to play. I, I have a hard time yeah, hearing sure. some things. Mm. Uh, so how do we end up doing this uh, in this first third or so, Jack? Uh, well, for me, you're just uh, Alex is just missing the meeting with the mentor, but I think uh, that's going to be up to Dan and Ryan more than it's up to me. I think for the most part, I, uh, I think Alex had good points. Um, yeah, besides the meeting with the mentor, I agree with that. There's, that's a flaw. Uh, but for the most part, I'm down with your argument. Um, I don't, I still have this feeling that Gnome is not the mentor. I think Hopper and or Moraine is the mentor. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to say your arguments. Uh, well, a was not very funny. We we talked about this. That was not we, like in terms of humor level. Yeah, just just full oh, of on. just dog poop. Okay, how, how funny is the first bit of this book, though? Well, first off, Perrin is the funniest character. There's so much to talk about. Like Perrin's literally turns into a goddamn wolf. Is like battling Murdral and like and like Trollic single handedly, and no one fucking even talks about. It. They're like, "Hey, good job, Wolf Brother. Yeah, hey, buddy. Hey, they now understand that he's part wolf. Everyone saw it. If I saw like Brother Dan all of a sudden turn into a goddamn fucking feral, half feral puppet and start mauling fucking Trollics, I think I'd have a long discussion about it. I think that's pretty fucking funny. We could have yeah. talked about that. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm looking forward I, to everyone else's takes for sure. But no, I I think I'm, did I'm, I'm pushing back. Matt is by far the funniest character. Everything that happens to him, he just starts. It's like he starts speaking pig Latin in the in the middle of conversations. Well, that's true. No, Matt is inherently funny, but he's not as easy to make fun of. Parrot oh. is the easiest one to make fun of. Anyway, so. Uh, 
Guys, I'm just giving uh, Alex a negative one for humor. I'm giving him a five for a uh, for a solid argument, even though I think Gnome is not the mentor. And I think, Alex, have a good luck. I, don't, I think you might lose this round. Ryan, I'm giving you a seven for making up your own scales. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the number. I just You're right. I just made that shit up. From eight to six. But we did agree we're going to rate them on humor. <laughs> Oh man, does that mean I get a report card at the end of this? That's terrifying. I'm just used to being the one giving it at the end. <laughs> That's amazing. So are we so is this a good turning point for us to take a break? Or are we where are we at in terms of your typical show structure? Uh, that is the perfect place for a break. Yes. All right. I felt like I had that intuitively happening. So we are going to go into a typical way that leave breaks so of Ryan and Dan can rest our weary hands mm. and we're going to put on some music. We're going to take a 10-minute break. Can our guests please mute your mics? That always helps out. Yeah, and we'd be happy to get some questions from chat in the break that we can answer when we get back, I think, if anyone's got awesome. That is a well, great point, yes. And do you, do you take personal questions? Jack and Zach and Alex, do you take personal questions? I think they do. Yeah, get as personal as you want, yes, chat. Always. These are new friends. you got to get to know them. Yeah, yeah, and we'll ask them the five questions when we come back too, right? I hear you. Yes, good point. All right, All right coming bye. back, five questions. And we are back. Can't we are back, oh, ladies oh, and gentlemen. We got, a little, we got a new friend. He's muted. Uh, Alex and Zach are muted, but uh, we got a new friend. No, I was trying to be in the cool puppet club, but uh, my camera is too wide angle. So. <laughs> you're too, you're <laughs> too shit sentient. So <laughs> that the music you're listening to was a band called Ogres Are Like Onions, and that is myself on bass and my friend Keith. And Keith also goes by Iris Fibers. You can find those both on SoundCloud. Thank you so much. Go on, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we jump back into it, we five questions. Is Sorry. we ask five quick questions. So what we're gonna do is generally. There's just like one of you. So I'm going to, we're just going to kind of rapid fire through and you guys will, uh, will, will kind of just go down the line with each thing. And, and I may stop and inquire deeply about things, but these are real superficial wheel of time based questions. Are you ready? My, my, my amigos. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Have any of you ever seen a proper palace? Yes. Yes. No. Where where do you guys see him? Uh, Buckingham. I've been okay. to Buckingham Palace. I lived in Scotland for five years. Oh, so okay. All over the place. Oh, right on, right on. Uh, have you ever eaten anything you would consider to be a honey cake? No. No. No, I haven't eaten Rob's yet, so no. How about euphemistically? <laughs> okay, well that that's classified. Okay, now okay. <laughs> what I would call a honey cake. <laughs> Have you ever seen a real life, authentic, honest to goodness thatched roof? Thatched roof. Does the Globe Theater count? I think it's still technically honest to God thatched. Even the Amish okay. don't thatch the roofs anymore. So no, I don't think so. I want to say yes. I think I've been to like a, a like an old timey village and seen one, but I, I'm not sure. Oh shit! Sorry, guys. Silver mm -hmm. alert. What? Oh, oh right. silver oh, oh. alert. Guys, the cops are coming. Guys, guys, uh, you don't know me. You haven't seen me. <laughs> Brotherhood. Run. 
Just right. some, you know, missing missing elderly. I'm a, I'm a concerned citizen. Go on, sorry guys. So uh, so maybe maybe the Globe Theater is that that's true. It's like I, my I th- yeah, I think it's the only place in London that's allowed. They they had a law in the books outlawing uh, thatched roofs after the Great Fire. And when they rebuilt the globe, I think it got a special permit to be legitimately thatched rather than just look like it. Mm-hmm. But you know, Ryan, Ryan and I had always thought it was funny that the two that Emmons Field brought in a peddler with fireworks in a village that is predominantly thatched roofs. <laughs> that's, that's that's just interesting. That's danger waiting to happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quick questions. All right. I have high hopes, guys. Number four. Let's say it's number four. Do any of you Let's have just any say. circus skills or fun, um, like little skills? Like you can juggle, you can uh, do Rubik's cube real fast, you can uh, uh, you can walk a tightrope, you can you could uh, you could throw a spaghetti against the wall, and make a stick. No, I mean something, something. Oh, I mean, I could you try to juggle knives for you, but I'd end up dropping them and stabbing myself. So tragically, Ooh, I'm that's that's got comedic value. So do it right now. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I, no, I, that'd be the best live stream ever. We'll go viral. Someone, <laughs> please die. Someone will go viral. We need it for the rating on your hand. And what step in the hero's journey would it be if Jack were to p- pick up the knives and stab himself? So no circus skills. If you had to jump into a circus <laughs> and, and make a living, there's nothing. No, no I, I, I mean, I can sweep floors real well. Okay, there okay. you go. Okay, all right, yeah, and finally. Oh, go uh, ahead. You could, you could be a bear tamer. That would be the, the closest thing <laughs> I could probably attempt at. Oh, man. So, all right. A lot okay, of jokes there. A lot of jokes there. Moving yeah, on. I, I know. I, I do full well. Moving on. And, and, I'll, say, and I'll ask you first, Jack. Uh, <laughs> you have the chance. This is the last question, guys. Thanks for bearing with me. You are. Uh, <laughs> bear. <laughs> bear. <laughs> Tame that bear, brother, Dan. Oh, parent, thanks for pairing with me. Um, <laughs> you, you for, yeah, I'll say it a fourth time. It, it's even funnier then. Uh, <laughs> you, you enter a tavern. There in one table, way over there, is a very, very drunk Tam Althor. On the table, way over there, is a very, very drunk uh, Lan Almandragon. You can spend an hour with one of those guys, but it's just too hard to go back and forth. Who do you sit? Whose table do you sit at, and why? It was Rand and who? And, and no, it's Tam Althor and Land. Oh, okay. And they are drunk. They are just blabbermouth. They want to talk about everything. They, Land they would is drunk. Any they are the any. I, I gotta go with Tam. That way, next time I'm on, I can be funnier. Okay. Okay. Like what? I mean, get, what are, what are get your some good dad joke tips? comedy tips. Okay. Oh yeah, oh, dad joke. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. We actually have dubbed dad jokes Tam jokes. That's really funny. All right. Beautiful. Has everyone been able to answer those questions, brother Dan? What's yeah, go yeah, go ahead. Please now go ahead. Uh, beers, land, Tam, one hour. Who would you uh, I'm going with land. Uh, I think I there's a I think there's a chance that land might get like super dark based on his life once he's like super drunk and you'd end up like probably regretting the decision. But on the other hand, 
uh, I think you might get like the best overall stories uh, out of him. Mm -hmm. How about you, Alex? Uh, I think we're going to go with Tam. I want to hear more about his life, his early life for Lan. I, I know he was fighting the blight a lot. That's that's enough. I want to hear about Tam and what Tam was doing. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, guys. You survived the five quick questions, by the way, the leaf. So, well done. Well done. We all good. know you or something. All right. So, we all know you better now. So, right. you guys are not out of the woods, though. You guys are not out of the woods, though. The chat has chimed in. Ooh. They have some questions for you as well. We Friend Dana Lou, who I will only say her name once. Alex, Mac, and Jack. <laughs> How and when did you get into Wheel of Time? Mac, Mac you first. Uh, <laughs> Mac here. Uh, I've read the first couple quite young. Um, I don't remember how uh, far into them I got, uh, but I read them quite young. I enjoyed them, but I ended up getting busy with school and not keeping up with it. And then Alex actually introduced me, re reintroduced them to me um, in college uh, when we were roommates. And uh, I, I sped through them fairly quick, I seem to remember. Uh, yeah. Does Alex I snore? <laughs> uh hopefully uh, luckily i don't know uh there was enough walls separating us but i can only assume yes i can only okay. assume okay. yes um yeah. yeah i think i think i picked them up in college if that i don't remember what year it was alex junior year maybe uh, it was a uh, sophomore year and zach uh, speed reads for everyone who doesn't know he reads insanely fast he probably read the dragon reborn in a day or two yeah um, that, was, that was about right yeah so oh one of those well, yeah. and, and we, we all have been one of those, and it, it makes me wonder what we are doing to our first-time reader, who we restrict maybe three chapters at most per week. They're not allowed to go past where our show is, so I can't imagine reading a book in that sort of pace, but uh, they're doing it. Yeah. Zach, if you remember, uh, Kendall told us Jenner? about time books and said, <laughs> yes, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that that friend who told us both to read them uh, never finished. Both of us did, obviously, and love them, but he didn't. Still oh. still, uh, still going six years yeah. later or eight years later, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, my boarding house at, uh, during high school had a little library uh, with just book, like take a book, leave a book kind of thing. And on that shelf, there was the like fourth or fifth Wheel of Time novel and the Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. And boy, did I pick wrong because I read Wizard's First Rule. Hey, <laughs> man. Wheel of Time. More like, more like good, bad, mean, not good, kind. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Was, uh... Good, good one. Uh, you showed so, yeah, Could have gotten into it years ago, but uh, I've only just started reading it for the podcast. Mm. Beautiful. All right. Well, you so can't start on the fifth book. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, Savage does that, right? All right. Well, hey, these these questions are coming in fast and furious. Malkier talks asks, do you, do you guys think pineapple belongs on pizza? No. <laughs> Your guests think. All right. So yeah, one at a time. Alex, pineapple. No. No, yeah. Zach, pineapple. I was originally against it on principle, have tried it since. Not the worst thing. Not the oh. worst thing with ham. Yeah. 
With ham? Oh, specifically with ham. All right, Jack, yeah, like, pineapple. I, I wouldn't have it just by itself. I, I don't, like I don't need pineapple by itself, let alone on pizza. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, first off, who the fuck just has, like, a pineapple pizza? That would be, like, the most childish hey, thing ever. Don't kink shame. But, <laughs> hey, just last, just this weekend, I had a garlic, roasted garlic and pineapple and mushroom pizza. Mm-mm-mm. Anyways, motherfucker. All right, so, Malgear Talks, thanks for asking me about my opinion about pizza. I'm now more confused how a puppet eats pizza. All right, so it's my, yeah, well, imagine Cookie Monster. All right, so Malkier talks out, also asks, it's yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, it all falls so out. So much ease. Who are your favorite characters at the end of the Great Hunt? Great question, MT. Way to make up for that last question. <laughs> Thank you. No, they're, they're great. At the end of the Great Hunt or Dragon Reborn? Does it matter? It's just the same for me. Yeah, Perrin yeah. is my favorite Ooh, character. Oh, actually, good point. First three books. Um, he... I, it changes after that. I think Nynaeve comes more into her own in later books, and she becomes my favorite character by the end. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say this without being spoiler for Jack. But yeah, so... Yes. Well, what specifically calls you the parent in these three books? I think he's the most interesting um, for like his character development. He has a very clear struggle between that hammer and the axe, even in this early part of mm-hmm. the story. And his love interest is introduced fairly early. Uh, so it's nice to see that progression as well. The start of the mm. relationship, I think, is fun. Um, even though it changes, it's fun yeah. to start. It's almost like a, mo- if like, a, like a modern-day equivalent would be like a surgeon slash serial murderer. Like, am I going to cut into this person out of love? Or am I going to go, stab, 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 stab? You, n- you never know. Yeah. Hammer or the axe. <laughs> I swear, Ryan, you read my mind like it's a picture Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys want to go on? With the- <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll follow Words, that. words, <laughs> words, words. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I I want to say Rand because I'm I fall I often fall prey to the primary character uh kind of being the one that i most identify with but if we're gonna discount rand which i think is a worthwhile assumption because the number of characters is is so broad um it's definitely matt i i really like his luck magic luck mechanic i really like his uh dead languages the like flashbacks he gets to previous warlords um I, I the, everything about the character I think really, I, not that I dislike Parent, but if we had to put him on a scale, I'd pick Matt and but, Jack. By the uh, end of this book, I have a feeling I'm gonna like Matt more in the end, but it's currently Perrin. Um, just because I've really all the stuff that Alex talked about with his struggle in this book, I found to be more interesting uh, than the parade of trying to catch up to Rand, yeah. which was the other central narrative for everyone else. Um, I know, and I see you guys as all really just being like so physically intimidating, and and like you really have a hard time like like not sticking out with all those muscles. I can see how man. you relate to parents, so right. <laughs> so, I think Karen picks up two whites to die in this book, doesn't she? Doesn't he? Doesn't he <laughs> at once? <laughs> no, like lifts him and moves him out of his way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that's that takes something, man. I would, I would do it, but I'm sure I'd, hey, I'd make a, a noise. That could be a circus trick. I'd make a noise. 
Uh, to me, Perrin was the coolest as well. There's nothing cooler, especially when I was reading him, to be able to talk to wolves. Man, if I if I could just kind of turn into like half wolf, man, like 21 year old me, I would be like, oh hell yeah. And and I grew up when there was Teen Wolf, there was Thriller, there was all kinds the, uh, of yeah, the Air, oh, Bu- Air, Air Bud, Air, Air Bud. No, Wolf, Wolf. Air Bud, Air Bud 2. What? Hey, baby. Air Bud 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, no, no. Right. (laughs) Wolf and Jack. Hey, baby. What are you doing? Kick to the curb. All right, let's let's jump back into the debate style, shall we? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could possibly change my answer to is if uh, the inter- the joke that I've heard that uh, Rand's horse is actually God is true, then that was clearly my favorite character. Which horse is that? <laughs> right? What is, is it Bella? Bella is the name of Bella! Did not expect that one. Jack clearly did not watch this. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. I was super excited for it. Hey, Jack, why'd you go walk over that big pile of leaves there? What pile? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I've caught you guys bits of the charity streets before. I don't think uh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, I ain't going to fall for no banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> all right jack you've been well initiated done. well done well done i'm we very, very glad i always tried to squeeze one in i was so confused by the look of excitement on alex's face <laughs> like alex never gets excited <laughs> ever ever and all of a sudden he knows bella's coming <gasps> <laughs> Well, uh, oh. All right, everyone, just reminder. Spoiler! We yeah. have a lot of spoilers coming up as we go further into the debate. So now, how are we f- structuring this? Zach, are you now going to take on Alex and oh, talk no, about Alex, this? And, uh, are Alex you going over? Th- all, comers, so. all right, so are we, are we still talking about this section? Or are we talking about Probably another... We are on to the initiation. We are on to the initiation. Well, let me get that banner up. Yeah, All right. Okay, let me go get the baby oil and the paddles. And uh, <laughs> Does initiation go all the way to number 10? To number 11. Ooh, let me Ultimate add that. Boone. Got it. The initiation is secretly like 80% of the story most of the time. Yeah. You leave okay. it to yeah. that. G- yeah. All right. Uh, uh, what are you... Jack, tell them a little bit about our scoring, I guess. Because I saw in chat during the break, some people were asking if Alex gets stickers or points. Uh, unfortunately, our show's budget isn't high enough for stickers, so he gets fake internet points. Yes. Uh, um, and technically, we're not even, uh, even though we constantly do feel like we're judging Alex, we're actually judging Perrin, our hero. So Alex will lay out his steps, and based on where... Uh, I and our other two judges end up agreeing on we'll be awarding a parent uh, point for that section or not. And currently a parent point. Uh, And currently our threshold is set at 12 points for declaring this character a Campbell hero. 12 out of 17 points. There are 17 steps. For the entirety of the story, all three sections. 
Oh, okay. I don't think I scored right then. I will give you th- a good solid three points for last time. Okay. Three out of five. Okay. So okay. Alex is going to be arguing for throughout the entire time, but he's going to take us through our initiation, which starts off with our road of trials, um, a meeting with a higher power and takes us all the way through to the ultimate boon, which is sort of where our character achieves whatever their central goal of the journey was, or occasionally fails to achieve. Uh, though they, those don't tend to be good Campbell heroes. So uh, I, when I was sorry, a kid, was, my mom, when it was cold, she would whip me up a can of Campbell's Heroes, and you know what? Like it still brings me back that smell, the smell of the can Heroes, the, right, the smell of uh, of ash the, as it falls from the sky, the victory, <laughs> the comparative religion and mythology. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, go ahead. The, the Road of Trials takes up a large chunk of most stories, and it does for this as well. Um, and this is the different tasks that our hero goes through. So Aaron, he sees Rin in the wolf dreams and kind of explores those wolf dreams a little more. He goes to the blacksmithy and works there, uh, just works as a blacksmith. And then he goes through the wolf dream again to try and save Fail at the end, um, searching for her in the world of dreams. So throughout all of these three steps, we usually like to see a change in our character or a growth in our character. And for Perrin, it's growing to accept both the wolf and Fail as a bigger part of his life. For a meeting with a higher power, this is someone typically at a higher power level who gives a gift to our character that will help them later or in the future. So this is where I wanna talk about Hopper. He gives Perrin a lot of advice in the wolf dreams. Um, and specifically, if we're talking about gift giving, tells him about the dark hounds and that they're chasing them. And he saves him in the stone of fear when Perrin is there for the first time. For a temptress, this is the step where our hero is tempted to do something that would take him away from the journey. So as I kind of already mentioned, viewing Fail as an antagonist would take Perrin away from the journey as Fail is a large part of his journey and accepting her as uh, of relationship is important to him. Or to tell it with the creator, this is the step where the the story has been flowing to and will flow from. This is the center point at where the character is initiated by the thing that has made him. So when Perrin goes to the blacksmithy and becomes this master blacksmith and sees that he still has that part of himself, um, that is very important to him. The hammer is a nice symbol of who he has been and that he still has that part of himself. For an apotheosis, this is a moment of realization that allows our hero to achieve the ultimate boon. For Perrin, this is realizing that he cares for Fail and won't leave her behind even to go save his other friends, uh, Rand in this case. And also that the wolf dream is the same as Teleronriad, the world of dreams that Agui goes to and Moraine has been telling him about. And for our ultimate boon here, Perrin frees Fail and saves her. Can yeah, you, so that's a lot. Can you define exactly who the temptress was again for me? So it's this viewing of Fail as an antagonist. Their relationship to start is 
antagonistic. Perrin doesn't want her to come along. He doesn't mm -hmm. want the Falcon around him. So if he were to continue to view her as an antagonist and not as a potential relationship or friend, then his story would have gone in a different direction. So yeah, and one thing that we as a podcast have kind of steered away from is that often Campbell treats the temptress as a very literal, you know, female temptress, but we really like to see um, things that have a little more broader of a focus. Uh, so we'll use the idea of, like, sometimes the hero just wants to go back to his normal life, and that temptation is always there, or mm -hmm. things like that. So it doesn't always have to be, like, the, the stereotypical seductive woman. Okay, like Perrin always wanting to eat meat. <laughs> well, well, I don't think that's preventing him from his journey, but it's certainly yeah. it might time. be preventing him from fail. But that's a whole other question. <laughs> <laughs> well done. One point for his uh, welcome. Yes, yes. Not <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're stuck here with all the dry material this week, Alex. That's okay. I, I signed up for it. <laughs> So, Alex, did you consider for number seven, did you consider the meeting with the high power being the blacksmith and the hammer that he received being this that sort of progression for him from there? So I did briefly. Um, I just didn't realize how, as big as this book is, uh, thinking back on it when I was like trying to prepare before rereading, I didn't realize how little Perrin has in this. I thought Hopper was more important, and I still do think that he is very important in this um, like meeting with a higher power, but I thought Hopper was going to be more important later. And the way that the blacksmith sits in the story, I think goes a little bit better with the atonement with the creator, like that being in that part. Okay. Also, Zach is an incredible literalist when it comes to higher power, and you'd have a hard time convincing him that this blacksmith is so much better at blacksmithing than Perrin as to be a higher power. Yes, I want the higher power to, if we had a, had a power ranking scale, they need to be at least two or three steps above whoever they happen to be, uh, be the, whoever the hero happens to be in our discussion. Um, and while the blacksmith is obviously good at what he does. He even says, you know, to this person who's quite a bit younger than him and doesn't have as much experience here, Master Blacksmith. So um, Hopper, on the other hand, and it's interesting that you bring that up, Jack, um, Hopper has more experience with the dream world, but I think that we can see throughout this book that um, Perrin, while being naive, seems to hold his own very well, um, for the most part, in his interactions with the dream world. And so I'm not sure Hopper fits as much for a higher power as he does, like we talked about him being more of a mentor, but then it falls out of our, our narrative structure. So um, why do you think, you, you think the gift is of information here from Hopper? information and guidance. So when Perrin goes to search for Fahil in his last time in uh, Teleronriad, he's going with Hopper and Hopper is kind of guiding him. And the specific gift I did point out was that information about the Dark House chasing them, which is very important to get everyone out of um, Ilian and on the road and, here fast. And guidance is a synonym for what again? M mentor. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Huh. Huh. Funny. Uh, 
Hmm. Funny how this character might have been filling multiple roles and we might have accidentally pigeonholed Alex with our desire to always have different characters for each one. Yeah, maybe a little. But Hopper is also, I would say, a couple of power levels above Perrin, especially in the World of Dreams. He's able to force Perrin out of the World of Dreams. He knows the uh, Teleron Rod intimately and Perrin is just barely getting into it. He even resists going into it for a large period of time. I am your spirit guide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. I think the spirit guide could definitely be a higher power, too. Hmm. I mean, there's also an argument for Hopper as part of the creator, given that, right, it's his actions in the first book that kind of lead to Perrin's initial snapping. Yeah, but I feel like that was inevitable. Um, based on just who Parent is, right? If it wasn't Hopper, it would have been somebody else. Or something, some wolf else. <laughs> some wolf else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to talk, us, unless uh, our, our puppet friends have anything to say, I'd like to kind of focus in here on our road of trials, because this is where we get... By Joseph Campbell. He goes... <laughs> I don't know what it goes. I can't remember. Let's see, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, these are impressive. I'm not sure how you're getting them, but I feel better uh, informed for having viewed them. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Your first one with Rand in the world of dreams. Um, what? How is he growing? Uh, how is Perrin growing there? We like to see growth in each trial. What does he get from it? So in this one, it's just a brief introduction to the world of dreams and um, a realization that it's something connected to his powers. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned Rand specifically, or is that just your moniker for the first time he's in the, That's in the, the dream world? the first time he, he's in the world of dreams that I can remember, um, and he sees Rand in the Stone of Tear. Yeah. I just didn't know if you were trying to use that brief vision of Rand to mean something oh, more. Want, it's just identifying. Interesting. And, and I, I, I kind of, my memory suggests that Perrin was having dreams where he was, that he was like being protected by wolves for a while. I, I feel like he had dreams where he was like out of bonfire and the wolves were kind of outside, out of sight, kind of always there with him. You're feeling that this is the first time he is actually in the world of dreams. Was when Rand tried to fucking burn him up. <laughs> I think so. Was the I kind was of this the first time he interacted first with dream in the, the real world? Well, the Good. the first dream in this book where he's clearly like interacting with Forsaken is that not the world of dreams? I'm really I, I was having trouble telling the difference between their prophetic dreams and whether those all take place in the world of dreams or whether they're all right. The world of dreams is only some of the time where they go. I yeah. think you're right. I think that is Teleron Riyadh. Yeah, when Hopper. Yeah. Well, I think any place Hopper is, we can probably define as Teleron Riyadh. If Hopper is, he he no longer is in the flesh. So yeah. if he's around, and he's the one who took Perrin to see the dark friend, uh, the right, he was like, "Hey, come on, follow me," and then. And then tells him don't go there because he's dark friends. Right, and Jack, he calls them like Moon Dancer and Heart Fang or something. Jack, did Jack, did you cry when Hopper died? Uh, no, but I, I, I definitely was sad about it. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, oh. How, yeah. Right, well, 
Uh, You're not a heartless wench. Good, thank you. <laughs> I have been called that before, but thank you. <laughs> uh, so, our puppet friends, do you guys think that it's been by his podcast co-host? So don't don't feel too bad for him. Um, do you guys think that this first, we'll call it first, interaction into the dream world sees Perrin growing much as a hero, or that? He it takes multiple dream walking interactions for him to see any character growth. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, very quickly he enters it, has his experiences, and then later has to choose to enter it to save Fael. So I wonder would he have been able to make that choice to do that had he not been there previously being guided this way? It seems like every step has been absolutely necessary for him to be able to do what he's been able to do at, at the mm-hmm. end of the book. So it's hard to differentiate between what is kind of tangential and what is not because as I've been going through my reread and as Jack's going to learn and you guys are learning on your reread, like everything is so important and everything can be, you know, have further implications down the line that we don't even understand right now. So right now as I'm looking at it, it's hard to differentiate between what's secondary and what's primary because I don't believe he would have been able to make that choice to dive in and save Fael at the end, which is absolutely necessary for, you know, further events to occur. I will not go further for Jack. Yes. But that's my thoughts. So what I'm curious about the, there then is, do you think that his, obviously you guys all have a wealth of information that I don't, but do you think his- Not that wealth, <laughs> not, not, not a wealth, not I a wealth, like a pins. Like a pins. If yeah, I yeah, like the money, okay. <laughs> but, but go on, yeah, yeah. Do you think his reluctance is necessary for him to grow into the hero that he seems to be shaping up to be, even in the end? Like, not only did he need this previous exposure, but did he have to? If he tried to embrace his powers, do you think he would have not been able to save well, her? Would Would he be a believable character if he did? Well, that's a whole other problem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like it's so it's in it's in line theory. with who he is to like it's absolutely in line with how he has been char- portraying himself the entire show and all of his like mm-hmm. not show sorry the entire all in the books and how his, how his POVs have been pointing out like he is you know that's not within his purview right now. No, no I will say well I enjoy his internal debate. There, there is a part of me that. Uh, towards the middle of his story here kind of starts just waiting for it. I, I know he's going to get there, so I'm <laughs> waiting, waiting for him to embrace his destiny. Yeah. All right, Malkir yeah, talks. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm going to give you a <laughs> thank you, Malkir. <laughs> what a, the nicest thing anyone's ever said. No, don't believe the hype. Don't, don't believe, believe the hype. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so I think, I, I, oh, go, please go ahead. I was going to ask you guys, and this is tangential, and I don't want to go too far off of it, but I'm curious your thoughts. Um, I think we can often categorize heroes into like the 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 difference between uh, you know the good of the many outweighs the good of the few, or the end justifies the means, and or all those cliche things. I tend to put Perrin firmly in a camp where his own moral code very strongly dictates his action and you know let's say in the freeing of gall he uh ends up gall was actually a mass murderer and kills a dozen people does that change parents feelings about what he did is there you know so 
So I guess what I'm asking I mean, you guys uh, is how, if parents not the person to be able to make the tough decisions, is that got to be Moraine, Lan, Ran, Ryan, other rhyming names? What are I'm we looking try, at? Here? I'm trying. I'm trying to think about a way to answer this without being spoilery. So up to Fair. the point, up to the point that we have experienced the characters, mm-hmm. I see Perrin as a reluctant hero. Uh, who's you get definitely his moral code is sound and his concern for humanity is evident as evidenced by him literally not being able to get through a goddamn crowded like like sea of people talking to Pat and Fame without feeling embarrassed and like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry excuse me excuse me sorry excuse me sorry that's the first time we ever meet Parrot is him like very like timidly trying to get through a crowd of people without hurting anybody. So, mm-hmm. so from the, from get go, parent has been, I think like reluctant to take up any space in the world. And he's being forced to take up a lot of space in basically two worlds. And so we're seeing his path as a, which is, I think is really fascinating because parent is like going into the wolf world and in the world of like humans interacting with each other. And he's still kind of the same guy. And he's like, he's a reluctant weirdo in the Teleranrod, and he's a reluctant weirdo in real life. Although in Teleranrod, he does seem to be able to do more kind of dramatics, and, and he seems to be less concerned about hurting people. As he's more decisive, it seems. But you know, more like Young Bull. More like Young Bull. More instinctive, you could say. But yeah, like there's his parallel process. I think makes this an interesting analysis because. Are we talking about mentorship in the dream world of wolves? Or are we talking about mentorship in the world of politics and man and 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 men and and you know power? So I've been thinking about this in, 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 as a dual path for him. So I think he has two mentors, and I do believe that Maureen is his human mentor and Hopper is his wolf mentor. See, I seem to feel like Fail takes over that role uh, that you seem to be prescribing to Moraine. Wait, in this um, book, though? Well, okay, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and right yeah. to your point, then, uh, what he does at the end is Moraine says, do not go in there. It's too dangerous. But uh, <laughs> I think he knew that there was the other mentor on the other side that when he j- went in, Hopper was going to be waiting for, and he wouldn't be all by himself. So, uh, so he did ignore the advice of one mentor in order to be guided by the other mentor. Now, I do have a question, though, uh, Alex. So, I I have more imports of the hammer that was given to him. It was the hammer in his dream, in which he freed Fael that he was breaking locks with, and and it was his weapon of choice in this dream. Uh, state that the hedgehog had um where in is that part of the 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 creator subsect of of this do do you generally get um a gift there as well or not um typically there we don't have a gift that's more like a kind of like an acceptance thing where you're meeting with someone who is part of what created you, whether it be your father, that's what this stuff usually is like in literal Campbell would be meeting with your God father figure. Um, and in this it's meeting with the blacksmith because Perrin is still part blacksmith, right? He still has a lot of blacksmith in him. Um, the gift isn't as important in this step, but it is interesting that it is there. 
Yeah, I think it, it becomes vital to his to the ending of his arc as well. It's you know, okay. well we've got we've got our mastery of two worlds and for coming up in our return and for Perrin we've got the very clear dual symbolism of the axe on one side and the hammer on the other. Oh man, uh, there's no way that I can talk about that in this book, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Well, that, that is a significant way. You're all you're all digging in a lot on the politics side, right? The world of man as our other frame. And perhaps it's just because so much of that seems to fall into Rand's camp in these early books. I I have a clear understanding that all three of our main characters will end up very important people, uh, even if Rand is the only one that gets to, you know, be whatever the dragon equivalent of king is of everything. Uh, let, let, oh, let me ask you, Jack. Do you think that if Perrin had been carrying his axe instead, that that would have been his weapon in Teleranrion? I think the fact that it was a hammer there means he never would have had his axe with him, right? That's showing you which part of himself he thinks is more important to bring over because the wolf part is already there waiting for him, and the axe is representative of the wolf part of himself. Okay. Right on. Right on. No, no. We love that, man. We fucking love this stuff. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> we made oh, it. Oh, man, I, I, with Wheel of Time, I'm just. I always like to add the caveat that there's probably somebody off screen yelling about whatever I'm saying being close but wrong because X, Y, Z. No, everyone yeah. is just nodding, going, "Interesting." Okay. We <laughs> we do that a lot about the Cosmere, uh, not so much about Wheel of Time as much as we'd like. Um, for your Tentress, just to get us. You know, I think we've agreed that Perrin goes on quite a few uh, trials throughout this. Although, I feel like the interaction he has with the blacksmith isn't so much a trial. You're trying to say it that it showcases what he still has within him. You know, he's still that same person that he was. But he, you know, it's not like it was a difficult thing for him to do. It came back to him so naturally. So I, I kind of want to push back on the idea of it being a trial and more of just a a reminder experience. And if that's the case, it, it feels very lackluster. Um, I get it. I get what you're Strong saying. Strong words. Yeah. Zach, you don't hold back. <laughs> no. Like when, when you get a, you, when you get tagged with lackluster, like that's got to hurt Alex. <laughs> Doesn't feel great. He's used to it. I hope you stand tall, stand tall to this accusation of a lacklusterness. He's, he's all, it actually hurts more the next day, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you never go to bed with a bear tamer. But other than... <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I, I think any time where you're going to be called a master of whatever trade that's still a challenging thing, even if it comes naturally, even if the blacksmithing comes naturally back to Perrin, I think it's still a challenge for him to do a task to get that master title handed to him. Yeah, how hard do we actually see him working, though? It just seems to be like, oh, make this weather vanes and make this thing, and all of a sudden, oh, you're a master blacksmith. I think the montage might not have been thorough and effective, yeah, I, but I, the I montage to, I, happened. I need, I need to stand behind our tradesmen and our workers <laughs> here. I think uh, just because it may not seem obvious to our eye uh, within the people in the trade, they can probably uh, notice the fine skill and quality of a 
master. See, I think it, it tells more about master. his upbringing and the training he received at home than it does this brief showcasing of skill in this town far from his roots, um, which is why I think it's less of a trial and more of a exposition. Ooh. I, I think the trial comes from... It might not be exactly in that step, but it comes from the from that step acting as a reminder of the other part of himself that it right. The trial is getting to our master of two worlds that he can be. Yeah, can worlds. yeah can the trial be an identity crisis, Zach? The trial can be almost anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, we've we've been fairly loose with trials as long as they have some amount of character development. Um, like his intri- uh, his trial is his identity. His trial is his need to super, like it like expand upon his his in, in, intuitions his in, his like his natural hesitancy to like impose himself on the world to absolutely impose himself on the world that is his trial. So I agree with you. At the same time, Alex has you know posed <laughs> to us a journey of accepting his powers, right? And so and. In that mindset, I view it as, okay, accepting your powers is a pretty clear embracing of the wolf side and kind of leaving behind the parent that he was. Alex, what do you think about that? I don't think you have to reject your old identity to embrace a new one, especially Perrin doesn't. He can still have that blacksmith skill, still have his two rivers home and hold those values while embracing new identity as a wolf brother as well. I think we also might have covered it uh, a few minutes ago when we started talking about what weapon is in the dream with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what I want to push you on, Alex, a little bit, uh, your apotheosis, you, you kind of cheated and gave us two different realizations. I want you to pick one. Um, <laughs> Busted. Well, then definitely the realization that Fayil is important to him and he can't leave her behind. He can't leave her in uh, Teleron Riyadh. That, that realization that the wolf dream is Teleron Riyadh is very, very secondary to the other realization about Fayil here. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, like, well, really, though, like, so he has a heart on for her. Why is that important? I get, well, don't go into, we don't want to spoil shit, but I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, at the moment he makes the decision, like, we don't know anything beyond. You He's know, like book. this stupid brat. Yeah, this book, okay, like, like, save her. Uh, like, you know, obviously, Jack, Jack, Jack can make a lot of assumptions about what's going to happen with, you know, cap, you know, this woman. <laughs> but like, you know, well, at the moment, well, he I makes know there a will decision, be another bird involved. It could just be like lustful passions. I mean, he'd, you know, let, let I mean, let's get into it. This is, you know, we saw the flicker, 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 right? Yeah. We, let's talk about flicker, flicker, flicker. Baron. We don't know what the fuck Perrin went through, but Perrin comes out of flicker, 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 holding his goddamn eyeballs and as if he wants to rip them out of his fucking skull, right? What the fuck did he see? What did Perrin go through? How many wolves did he have to sex with? There's so many questions we don't know about. And, like, what did Perrin uh, go it. through? And ever see, since I then, like he I seems... I would have to write a list. Ryan, that would not have been one of the questions that came to me uh, well, <laughs> on Sedlet, but I'm not an intellectual, so. Yeah, well, you wear the put the glasses on. Yeah, you, yeah. you all these classes, all the it's it all becomes clear. 
It all becomes yeah, clear to me. How many wolves did Perrin have sex with? Why is he ripping his eyeballs out? Why do we have a dream where Perrin, where Ran has a dream where Perrin rips his eyeballs out, shows him to him, and says, I'm finally free! I'm finally free! Yeah. Right? What the fuck is Perrin seeing? Why is he having these issues with his eyeballs? Let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> so for me, talk. So I think it's all about wolf sex. What do you guys think it is? Well, so what I want to know is if you could only ask Jordan one question because you have a time machine, would you rather know about the eyeballs or the number of wolves Perrin had sex with? Good question. Um, I'm holding Alex to one, so I'm going to hold you to one, <laughs> one as well. Well, before I answer, I want well, I want your – because you're a first-time reader, what would, be, what would be your question, Jack? The readers really – the listeners, the viewers really want to know what your thoughts are. What is your question to Robert We Jordan talk right wolf now? sex every week. It gets yeah, this is like – there's so many jokes about wolf sex. There's literally 69 jokes about him. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Uh, I have one. You have to circle back to me on that one. I'm gonna need to contemplate about it. All right, well, think of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you put me on the spot. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, here's, and I couldn't, here's, I couldn't here's find limited to two options though, because you obviously don't have any other questions for Jordan. It's just those two. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think of it's wolf sex. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's wolf. Sex. Right, we just I mean, need like, you to be officially on record admitting that uh, for the Wheel of Time community. But um, I, but 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 what I I focus on that. Hold on, humor. is Charlie and Marjol sex a subsect of wolf sex? Is uh is that a so dark question? dark hound dark hound not dark well, hound? Except, except, except that you can have wolf like Trollocs. What's so crazy about dark hounds? Yes, is they do a, dark hounds do a missionary style. No one knows this about them. That's why they're so scary. So weird. Oh, mm. that is weird. That's All right, crazy. so I don't want to think about how the bones work there. The beast with two backs. <laughs> I was really trying to keep this serious, and then like it just derailed so fast. I can't look at your glasses, brother Dan. Fix your glasses. I can't take you seriously. I, if we're being completely serious, (laughs) I felt like, and this might be the simplest explanation, but the amount of ostracizing that Perrin got in the real world from simply his eye color change meant that by being free of his eyes, he was free of the initiate. Uh, the the immediate stigma that he drew from strangers. Okay, very That's well put. I did not actually think about that once. I always thought yeah. it was something like he has had to do or done or will do. It very okay. So it could just be like his identity as it is socially being like. Accepted. Okay, that's interesting. Ryan, they're, they're, every inner thought they have whenever they share anything that resembles a secret is, oh gosh, they're going to laugh at me or they're going to scoff or, or guffaw or giggle or snicker or... Or, or, uh, or tickle my chode. Four more. So they're very insecure. Four more? <laughs> they're very insecure. Uh, they their whole thing is they don't want to get they don't want someone to laugh at them. The two rivers does not raise men; they raise little babies. So, <laughs> so that's that's part of his whole thing too. I remember in uh, book two when he tells Ingtar that uh, wolves told him uh, he was like he expected people to start laughing at him. Yep, the whole time. Like, yeah. uh, poor guys. I, I I'm torn between three different questions. If I could only ask one, which I know is one more is one more. Wait, wait, we have all the time in the world, motherfucker. Jack, go on. No, no, ask no, all three. 
I, I, I oh, to my, Robert, oh, to RJ. Yeah. yeah, RJ has no time for no, you. He will yeah. accept one. Yeah, well, Zach Rose, he's going to come back in a second. Okay. So I think my in-book question would be, why are there three to Vern rather than four? Who will be the fourth? Why? Oh, well, just because, right, I mean, the uh, thinking back to the parallels with the Lord of the Rings, which is what inspired at least the initial part, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a main cast of four male characters what made him decide to right i've always kind of viewed matt at least at inception as a combination of mary and pippin together but they end up as very different characters so okay. well they did pick uh, up loyal right off the bat though true but right we have a core three rather than a core four and i'd be curious yeah. to know if there'd ever been a fourth character right or good question right. yeah i love that um, i love that yeah 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 my 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 runner up would be if he was obviously nowhere near that part for me yet. But how did he feel about Sanderson's uh, finishing of the series? Was there anything he would have done differently? And third and most po- importantly, posthumously, posthumously, um, <laughs> as posthumously as possible. Go on. And third and most importantly, what I truly be tempted is if I walked into the room after you. Did Ryan really waste his question asking about the wolf sex? That'd be far more important to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Is Ryan a fraud? Yes, I am a fraud. I would probably ask him something about the cosmology of the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> if I could get him to tell me a truth, I would totally ask him about the pattern. But we're not going to get into that because actually... I'd Jack, ask about O'Gear wieners. Jack, do you believe that there is free will in this world? Can you sing an O'Gear uh, Wiener? Ooh, that is a... <laughs> Both of those are loaded questions for very different reasons. Okay. <laughs> All right. but, Have you ever uh, seen a grown man naked, Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got to imagine that in a world of cycles and with the pattern that it's... Uh, there's free will, but I think everyone ends up making the, there's free will, but you make the choice that you're going to make based on who you are. So maybe not. Then? You don't okay. answer the question at all, man. Yeah. I mean, that, I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, pick a side, bro. Fine. Uh, definitive answer. No explanation. Clearly there's free will in okay. this fictional book written by somebody else where none of the characters have free will. Good point. <laughs> Jack, are you enjoying the books? Yes, though. I, I think this is the one that I've enjoyed the most so far. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Why? Tell me why. I don't know if I can put my finger on it. What I can can say, the reason that I know that to be true is with the other ones, when we do our reading for the podcast, I try and set myself to a schedule versus when I read for fun, I'll find myself, I read on my phone all the time, constantly pulling it up when I'm meant to be doing other things. And this is the first one that I found myself doing that with rather than just reading it for our podcast. So there was, I don't know whether it was Perrin because it started pretty early on in the book where we're mostly mm-hmm. his perspective, but I found myself sucked right in right away. Are you no, excited about the show coming out? Uh, you know, I think the residual or the contact high of excitement coming from everyone else we talked to about it has made me excited. I don't know if I actually know enough to get into it the way that I spent the game of thrones tv show talking about things and casting decisions 
Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Beautiful. Let me tell you, Jack. So the Game of Thrones, the last season of Game of Thrones, I believe, spent $85 million. And the first season of this Wheel of Time is already over 100000 I think we're at 120000 Million, million, yeah. So, I mean, like, just 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 a, just from season alone, they're already surpassing the budget of the last season of Game of Thrones. So, the Amazon budget is ridiculous. So, well, they I do never have all the money in the world. I didn't get excited until I started hearing these numbers, right? I was very afraid that they're going to just literally fuck the shit out of this. I, well, I, tell me, Zach. Jack, I'm sorry, I mean, literally what? fuck the shit? Like, they would literally, literally fuck the shit out well, of Well, don't it. worry. They do it like Dark Hounds and Michigan. Show me how that works. Show me how that works, Ryan. Brother Dan, that's our, Jesus Christ. No, We're me. on YouTube, Dan. Oh, okay. No, oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, this is like, I'm a very, here, here, I'm a me, very here, visual. Here, I'm hey, taking so off my hat. Okay. Now hey, show. So, how did Jack, you, what do you think about the last season of Game of Thrones? I think I have to mostly agree with the internet summation that I haven't taught outside of this conversation. I only got talked about it in over two years. So clearly not very good, good feelings because I, every other season we spent forever dissecting. Well, I mean, I, for right. me, it's actually the last three seasons were trash. Um, but did you guys, have you read all the books, my friend? Uh, yeah, I read them back in high school with a friend. All right, beautiful, beautiful. And have you guys touched upon these books in your podcast? We, there we, 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 we will not be touching on them. I don't think we've had any interest discussing them on the podcast. Oh. Fascinating. You guys oh. do not want to make a lot of money. I get it. All right, so <laughs> you guys want to stay underground, stay hidden. <laughs> don't hit oh. all the – don't hit popular culture. <laughs> hey, I have a book by Catherine Hilberg Steinman. All right, guys, I'm so yeah, glad we like Zach not is. having to follow. I'm glad Zach is back. We've gone through all the chat questions. Are you guys ready to proceed with this show? So, so I think I'm giving you all of my coins for this one. I think, uh, I think, oh we, man, there was, I did have a hiccup or two, but I'm, I'm on board. I'm reserving my final. If I don't like it, I'm gonna knock you twice on the final four. But uh, other than that, other than that, you're you're carrying me. I, I'm all down. right. So yeah, we're we are talking about the second half of the hero's journey. This is six through seven. You guys can read it on the bottom. I'm not gonna the do it. The ultimate boom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think enough words in there, so it actually said the ultimate boo. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I might be the ultimate boo <laughs> personally, hey, but boo. let me put an end there for you. So yeah, we fixed that. Go on. I, I'm pretty happy awarding Alex uh, points across the board on this section, but I don't know if uh, anyone wants to try and put up any last minute fights. Zach, by chance, who may or may See? not. I want to put up a last minute fight on the Temptress. Uh, Me I too. think that I don't, I missed the conversation you guys had about it. Um, oh, but great. I feel it was like, so great. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Come on. Didn't you see Moraine as a sexy being for the first time? He, uh, he does yeah. see her coming out of the bath. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? No, right, the. Right. <laughs> Okay, yeah. literalism aside. Different kind of temptations. 
I uh, think that actually, Baron, don't, they all, don't they all originally think Moraine's the like hottest woman they've ever seen when she first comes to town before they know she's Aes Sedai and well, then they all go, oh, she has cooties. Yeah, fan fancy. I don't remember them yeah, thinking she, she was fancy. hot as shit. I yeah. remember them thinking she was fancy as shit, but I don't remember them thinking she was hot. Like this is the first time like hubba hubba. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Zach. We lost Zach. Yeah. Uh yeah, he's attempting to communicate. Jack, do you uh do you have Telepathically? any about the, the uh, relationship between Perrin and Egwin right now and what it may hold for the future? The relationship between the two of them? Yeah. Absolutely no idea. I it, During book one, I, we discussed uh, whether or not that was going down, right? With Part of some forming love love triangle or something. But at, at this point in time, especially because of the choices that Perrin makes, right? We spent so much more time with Matt and that half of the cast. Mm-hmm. This book has not changed, given me any context or sorry, I have no context clues that I recognized for where Perrin's relationships with anyone not part of his traveling party are going. Right on, right on. Especially because we introduce. Right, I, I, I guess I can say pretty confidently that I don't think the other bird is Egwene. Whatever, whoever the other person that will be romantically involved in his entanglements. That's a good assumption. All right, how are we hearing? Zach, you look great. IPad. You look great. All right, cool. Yeah, this is great. Third time's the charm. Um, all I wanted to say for the Temptress from Fail is that I don't think, um, especially in this particular book, had he continued to view her extremely antagonistically, it would have been detrimental to his primary journey that you set him out on. Another thing that's that why it's the temptation. Yeah. Well, another thing that I wanted someone to bring up is. Fael acting antagonistically is part of her character. They, Perrin and Fael don't have a normal relationship. They're um, more antagonistic as a couple than others might be. Well, she starts off. With, of- she starts off in a power position. She starts off with knowledge of his crimes. Yeah. She's seen. His but he crimes. starts off with knowing that uh, her hunt for the horn is pointless. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean well, is. I mean, everyone, everyone's Etsy everyone's. account is a waste of time, but you always want to encourage your ladies to, to do the Etsy account. And she does join with a severe caveat that you may not ask any questions. And she's like, fine. So parents like, well, you can't ask questions. Stop. Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, knock it off. Stop smoking. I smell your questions. Yeah, knock it off. That, that, that was a different thing that I was sending in our uh, text of preparation. Everyone is weirdly, oh, even with like Perrin and Rand putting up fights, everyone's weirdly okay with like the Aes attitude of do what I say, don't ask questions. How dare you talk to me? Well, right. good, very good point, Jack. So if you encountered an Aes right now who could like with a flick of her finger just basically kill you. Or do what like what Rand experienced with Leander in, in the dungeons where she she just started melting into his mind and thought he was like, Oh my god, yes, she's gonna fucking was, kill me! Get away, get away, get away. Like like these women can do XYZ. How would you behave around them, Jack? 
I'd be very concerned why my governments let these super-powered, crazy people run around. It's like an episode of The Boys right now, huh? Yeah. Like, what's going on? You're, you're like looking behind the scenes like, why, why are they so powerful? <laughs> who, who decided? Who give, gives out these powers again? Oh, the pattern. That's your answer for everything. Right. Right. And that's Moraine's like out. Ask a hard question. She's like, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, dummy. Bye. She just like pieces out. They're like, God damn it. Jack, are you ready to go to the return? Uh, if our other judges are willing to give their final scores. Sorry, I gotta. Yeah, I wanna know what, right, so... how, how many points I lost for in my app. Uh, we moved on a little fast from Retemptress there, so I'm still sitting at uh, a full score for this section. But So, guys, out of six, how many points on the Hero's Journey scale did I get? I will, uh, I'll give you a, well, the trials was a little ambiguous, but I'll Pick give you three, my lord. Pick three. Six. Wait, you said out of six? Yeah, out, out of six. six. Yeah, I'm yeah, right, so, so my, I'm going to say six for this, and let's go back to my first score and say three for the first score. Yeah. Because I think I gave you like a five or out of ten. Let's go three out of six, and then I'm going to give you six for the second second session. You know what? You didn't try, but this one was a little bit funnier. Uh, <laughs> the well, important score. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say that I was mad no one uh, understood my Shrek 1 deep cut there, but uh, we'll move past it and, uh, and keep going. All right. No, Zach, be, stay strong. Stay strong. What? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of things that fly over my head and under my feet at simultaneously is uh, often... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna move on to our return which is always the shortest part of almost any book uh where our hero comes back from their quest in one way or another and this section through all its points kind of covers the ramifications of that um in books it ranges from two or three chapters sometimes all the way down to what We've gotten one of the Narnia books down to three pages for the return yeah not, not page, yeah not too single page not too yeah, so um, this free, this uh, return is even shorter than that, I think, because there are other characters who get more screen time. Uh, for the first step in this is a refusal to return, where the hero, having achieved their goal, thinks that they cannot go back to the real world. Um, and unfortunately for me, Perrin doesn't have this at all. As soon as he frees Fahil, they kind of wake up in the real world, so that is done. But the second step here is the magical flight. Uh, that is a magical transportation from where the hero achieved their boon back to a place of safety. And that is, in fact, Perrin waking up in the real world. For a rescue from without, this is typically where someone comes in and saves the hero. Um, for Lord of the Rings, this is the eagles taking Frodo away from Mountain Doom. Uh, for, yeah. I guess. From yeah. the what? Eagles? Um, <laughs> so for this kind of a little differently, I think Fail being there with Perrin and being there to wake up with him is a rescue from without. Um, his whole goal was to save her and her coming back into the real world when there wasn't any assurance that this was going to happen is a rescue from without. <clears throat> so on the record, the ultimate boon is rescuing her. And the rescue from without yes, is her. her rescuing him. Yeah, for, um, yes, exactly. 
because that makes sense. I'm, yeah. I'm not reaching for straws here. Um, <laughs> or a crossing of the return threshold. Again, it's just kind of like waking up in, in the real world. Um, that magical flight and crossing the return threshold kind of happen together. For a master of two worlds, this is where I think Jack wanted to say the hammer and the axe before. But I think for Perrin, the two worlds that he's mastering are the real world and his relationship with Fael in that dream world and his relationship with the wolves. And through his rescuing of Fael, he's kind of mastered both of them or shown some more competency in both of those worlds. And finally, for freedom to live, what we describe this as having um, freedom to do what you want without any undue influence from the exterior. And <laughs> uh, yes, you're laughing already because this is not a good point for me. Um, Perrin, <laughs> Perrin, having saved Fayil, is now free to do whatever he wants, as long as the pattern doesn't try and make him do anything but that. So, yeah. Yeah, which is... I have a chance of that happening someday. Um, you want to start at the beginning, Alex, or do you want to pay, highlight a point in particular? Uh, why don't we kind of focus... We don't need to talk about the refusal to return. Why don't we kind of zero in on the um, magical flight crossing return threshold Rusky from without those those three. Well, I want to ask okay. Dan and Ryan the uh, most important question for determining a magical flight. Oh no! Does waking up from the dream world constitute blacking out and waking up in a different place? Oh no! Well, well, I mean, I'm well versed in both. You're wearing glasses, so in your professional opinion, let me tell you about the my, the subtle distinctions of passing out, pissing on yourself in a couch. And waking up from the dream world. <laughs> On <a> couch. <laughs> there is none. You have no idea what's going on. Either one. You have no idea. It's basically up to Robert Jordan to make you understand what's going on or not. But I'm putting that one in the category for is blacking out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like blacking out. You're right. <laughs> so what that's Jack's okay. only metric for our metric life is whether or not they black out. Do you black out more than you fall asleep? <laughs> No, it started with our uh, Harry Potter episode, and we did like our first three or four books all had somebody passing out in them, and just made it snappy to do those points. So I'm, I'm oh, okay. Up to I was about to say, is Hagrid a huge drunk? I didn't know about. Is he blacking out like crazy? I mean, Hagrid is a Does he actually like squeeze a bunch of? Is he like like wasted? Go up to kids. I love you. Gives him a hug. Kills him on accident. Oh no! What did I do? Oh no! There, there are lots of parallels between. Harry, I'm too strong. Did I ever tell you about the war? The Wizarding War. Like, oh geez, uh, not again, Harry. I knew Harry Potter back in the day. So I do have a um, specific question then. So we know that the Tangriel that that popped this trap <laughs> uh, broke, correct? Yeah. Was Perrin the one who physically broke? It, it was the hedgehog, right? Was it the hedgehog? Yes. Did Perrin physically break this hedgehog? It ends know. up broken. Are you talking it, about? I it snapped as a consequence of him freeing her from his actions in the dream world. But okay, so that I would count that as magic flight then, for sure. Like uh, it, it, him, him taking steps in order to. He didn't realize that it was going to bring him back. But uh, yeah, I I'm okay with that. Right, that would fit. 
Okay. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Now back to eviscerating Alex on all the other points. I, I think we can fairly easily, like Alex said, um, disregard the refusal. Um, now, our rescue from without is uh, just bullshit. Uh, her being there and wiping some blood off his face to welcome him back to the real world is not any sort of actual active rescuing and should never be treated as such. Uh, She's not even pulling, like, like uh, lifeguard, hot lifeguard duty. It's just, oh, wake up. Okay, cool. I mean, he, if he was raging like the bloody nine or something coming out of the dream and she had to soothe him, maybe. <laughs> bloody but, nine, huh? Yeah, that's a reference to, what was that? First Law, the First Law trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, that's... Uh, which, is, which is particularly good. Um, but it's got, like... a, it's got a raging uh, barbarian who goes berserk in it, so... I know, which is like a typical Friday night for me, but... Don't we all have one of those, right? <laughs> I'm that trilogy sometimes. I am the raging barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> did, you do, are the do, bloody do, nine. Do you have a barbarian specific nickname? That I, I dub the I dub the bloody nine. <laughs> uh, yeah, rescue without is uh, is a stretch indeed. And yeah. do we even hear about who was uh, watching the door? So he had. Loyal was watching the door for him. But Loyal has no part once once he breaks three, Loyal's just Yeah, I don't even think like Loyal did anything. He definitely guarded the door, but I don't think anyone tried to attack them. Yeah, he didn't need yeah. to guard the door. There could have been nobody there. Look, no one knew what to do with Loyal for the for the climax of this book, so they just stuck He's all, uh 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 I'll stay here. No. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Speaking of, climax, <clears throat> all right, speaking of climax, what would loyal <laughs> climaxing sound like? Oh no! Probably like that throat booger you just had. <laughs> so, I, I know that he's big and has a deep voice, but whenever I read him, I always read him as if he had a really high voice for an ogier. He's <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do say his like voice sounds like a like a hive of bees at some points. Yeah. Which Let's is a all super cool thing sounding... to be complimented by. Let's all picture him sounding like David from um, Schitt's Creek. And he's like, oh. No! Ooh, <laughs> all right. Mount Gear Talks has a great question. Is Hopper helping him not die in the dream rescue from without? If you think of something outside of Perrin's body? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's like a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Let's all ponder this. And 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 find Ohm. Ohm. Well, no, we just tried some more like hive of bees. Oh. All right. Well, yeah. Any any thoughts? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> so the only thing against that, and this is something we usually do. We usually have all of the return happen after the boon is achieved. So. The fact that he's saving Perrin in the dream world happens mm. before he frees Fael, so doesn't quit. It doesn't fit quite as well as I would like. Jack, 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 oh. real quick. Jack, this is for you. If no one is around to hear it, does loyal climaxing the woods sound like a tree crashing? I don't know. I don't know what the sound of a tree crashing in a forest with no one around to hear it sounds like. It sounds like nothingness. Be, yeah. Mm. Well, we have heard what we are uh, existentialists officially. He just, he just when, opens his mouth and no sound comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Loyal does just quote unquote tree sing, 
Yep. Uh, mm. He rubs on a bush and he ends up with a quarterstaff. So, uh, <laughs> oh, does, he, does he fight with his own child? Ah, ah, you, ah. you can go write your Wheel of Time Bushman thing for your free time. This right. is Bill of Wild. No one being around to hear it if it makes a sound does imply that he had to be riding solo there. So, the trees would be the only yeah, part of the trees. Yeah. I, I speak right. for the trees. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, yeah, yeah, and I clean up, and, and I clean up after the trees. It's a I think the trees job. grow a whole foot taller at the, at, <laughs> at the end. All right, guys, do we want to take a, another break? Or are we no, 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 let's through? just bust it. We're, yeah, we're very close. close, very close to finish. I think we're, oh my God, uh, I'm, we're just I'm fucking fading up. right now. No, we're good, we're good. All right, moving back on. We said, we said, hail, no, no, no rescue from the uh, return right. threshold. Waking up, I feel, doesn't quite do it because he was always there all along, uh, and it's just like uh, it's it's literally Zach, just waking up. Uh, Zach, where does the climax of our where does our ultimate boon take place? What world? Inside his own head. And then they go on a magic flight, going to a new place. That is, is this separate. a Beatles album? Did he ever <laughs> leave the hotel room? And I say no, he did not. Uh, unlike normally, where I, I think we could debate whether the world of dreams even exists, it's pretty conclusive in this book that the world of it, dreams it does is real. It does. Right, it people doesn't... wake up bleeding. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is okay. Right. Breaking news A hero's journey can outlast Brother Ryan. Knock <laughs> your talks. How <laughs> dare you? No. How we dare just you? Uh, can we, can we get the. Can we get that yes. put on something? Hero's journey known for our stamina. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, a, yeah. a hero's is, journey. It's uh, not a. It's it's a. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah, it's a marathon. <laughs> um, I think we all agree that freedom to live doesn't exist. So I think our last point of main conversation is around this master of two worlds. Alex has proposed that it's his relationship with Fail in the real world and his relationship with the wolves in the dream world. What are what do we think? Wait, first off, what did you mean by the freedom of to live does not exist? Well, I've been uh, I've been striving so towards sentience. <laughs> I have a I'm like I five months away. The government's going to allow me a sentience license. Really, you got you got take, an update? Five months. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a test. I've been like stick. I've been, they've been like putting me in camps. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been uh, trying uh, to get uh, right, and I'll help you study for that. Hey, my sentience line. So, I mean, yeah. for, for freedom to live, what do you mean by that does not exist? Does, does not exist exist in this no, in, yeah, context? Yeah, number 17. All right, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm trying to get metaphysical. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, Zach, does freedom to live exist in modern life at all? I don't know. Uh, Can a puppet pass the Turing test? It's... Nope. Uh, Good question, Zach. Guys, holy shit. Can the puppet... Yeah, can... Fuck you, Zach. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Jack's question was very not personal. No, it's very personal, Zach. I can pass a Turing test. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Don't worry. Zach's just still mad that we called him a bear tamer and not in the context he wanted. (laughs) So in talking about Perrin, though, do we think that there is any sort of free will in any of these three boys, Jack? 
I, I think that I've got to agree with our little notation in our spreadsheet, noting that uh, to be Taviran, is I'm, am I pronouncing that correct, uh, sure. is to have probably the somehow at the same time the most agency and the least free will in that world as possible. Okay, well said. Okay, right on. The pattern will push them where it needs them to go. So I uh, didn't really think we were going to get that freedom to the point. Yeah. Uh, but drifting back to our master of two worlds, I'm I'm a little torn here because, as Alex noted, I sort of saw Perrin's... Perrin is clearly a character drawn between multiple worlds, but the particular worlds that Alex has landed on, I'm not, I'm not certain I'm comfortable at the end of this particular story saying that he's achieved mastery of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am with you there as well, Jack. I think that those two worlds are the worlds that he would be, but he still has a lot to learn in both realms, um, clearly. And he's reluctant to learn at all. Um, anything that he learns is is not through um, any sort of curiosity or trying to yeah, better him. So, Brother Dan, first off, Hesse's calling me out. Are you symbiotic, Ryan? Does the body on the hand cease to exist? <laughs> no, very quickly, guys, above me. The hand, the canon is I've possessed this human to do my bidding. I want to create the content that I'm creating right now. This get fucker wants to do fucking experimental like noise jams. It's crazy. He's he's out of control. So I've possessed him. Shut up. So I possessed him <laughs> and he does what I say and I create the content I've wanted to create forever. So, um, yeah, does the body on the hand cease exist? I don't know who's sentient and who's not at this yeah. point. Yeah, it doesn't matter, Hedski. Uh, That's the question. It doesn't matter. Does that mean slugs? Wait, go on, guys. For, start over. There's I was a asking. Tea and peel skit, Jack. I'm talking. And Jack deals with that exact thing. Mac, no one asked you to. Mac, come on, Mac. Mac. Yeah. All right. And then Malkier talks says, Ryan, you you argue that free will does not exist in real time. And now you question when Mac (laughs) says there's no freedom to live. I love this Mac (laughs) guys. But what hurts is that he knows your names. Our our fans will fucking write a joke like no others. Yeah, Mac. Can you can you answer that, Mac? (laughs) Mac, is there free will? Is there free free will in Wheel of Time, Mac? Uh, There is free will if you're not uh, a uh, Tiberian. So. Uh, so are you saying that all those sometimes. people who got married in the in Rand's wake uh, had free will? Uh, I feel like if you don't interact with a Tevin, then you have free will. But as soon as one, all right. So without so. without giving spoilers, do you believe that for the rest of the entire series, the Tevin are only behaving with with no free will, and everyone else is like doing their own thing? I think I, know, the, I think the instances when they don't are. The instances in which you could argue that they are have free will are the defining moments of the series as a whole. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. All right, Zach. I love you. <laughs> I think All that's right. the best way to put it. Uh, Jack, this is super exciting. I'm so glad you're just joining this journey. Like, so when are you going to be done with the next book, and when can we talk about the next book on my show? Uh, we've <laughs> been spacing them. We've been spacing them about a month. To two months apart per Wheel of Time book, yeah, hell yeah. Um, 
I don't think we've slotted the next one in the schedule. If yet, you though. had, a, if you had a choice for another character to analyze in this book, who do you think has a proper a hero's journey going on in this book alone? Besides Rand. Well, so that 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 is always the caveat. We've actually agreed to stop to try and stop doing Rand for any future episodes for a yeah, while. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, I think it's still a fun journey to talk about, but I hear I hear. I mean, we're going to talk about him at the end, much like uh, when if you've read uh, the Mistborn series, we uh, we go and talk about a hero over the course of that trilogy as a whole. Hmm. Yeah. I so know, I think but... the I think the easiest two answers are probably. Uh, Egwene, which I always mispronounce, and Matt for this book, just because they're the other people with the most point of view content. Uh, but mm. in our in our group text the other day, I was actually uh, really curious because I kind of want more stuff from Min's perspective. So I really wish that there was uh, enough time to really give her a full hero's analysis on things. But I've been informed that well, we we get stuff from her perspective. It's never never anything that we'd call her book. Okay. Not in a, one book, no, no. Which just makes me sad because I'm currently fascinated by her abilities. Absolutely. Again, I still wouldn't want to talk to her in real life, but I'm fascinated by her. I mean, so if you, is if it you a met, boon or a curse? I mean, Jack, if you met Min, would you be like spitting some game or would you be like, I mean, how would it work? How would, well, how would, how would it play out? I'm in the Jack? other room, so I'd be very nice. <laughs> you'd be all very beautiful. Yeah, you'd just be like cordial. Nice, maybe so a fist man, bump. Man has got to be able to see if you're going to come over and hit on her. Like so, <laughs> well, she doesn't like, control what she sees. At least where I am. Like so, someone yeah, walks yeah. up and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's going to talk to me in like five minutes." This jerk. Yeah, she so, sees herself rejecting you, uh, floating ooh. above your own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're ugly. You're ugly. Crying, so that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she draws it on a napkin as soon as he says hi, she just slides it over. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, she foresees the false numbers she puts on oh, the napkin cool. for you. <laughs> Gross. So, we, we've agreed Alex has not earned any stickers, but as far as uh, imaginary internet points, how, how is he looking, Jack? Uh, that's gonna come down. I currently have him sitting at 12, but uh. Brother Ryan and Brother Dan both had him at one fewer point in the departure, so they might have him at 11, depending on how they award this section. Well, well I think this hey, section chat. is... Yeah, what we is the chat real quick. Uh, what, chat, parent, hero, not a hero. Definitive. <laughs> while, while the brothers answer as well. Uh, <laughs> and, and to frame that in context, parent in this book, hero... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, Perrin's a hero in my, my in my heart, even up to this book. Like, he is such an endearing character. So much uh, nuance going on with him. Um, you got to love the reluctant hero, of for sure. Like, he does not want to be looked at, given any attention at all. He does not want to be on the stage at all. I can relate to that as I've, you know, obviously I'm starting a YouTube channel and, you know, Dan and I are just constantly trying to get viewers. So I, I totally relate to Perrin. Um, I think that might put you more in the Rand camp of don't look at me, but also you have to look at me. I know. Yeah. Like, like I'm pretty astounding, but, you know, don't worry about it. All right. So um, how many points? Fuck. 12, 12 sounds great. 12 sounds great. <laughs> I, um, I think that uh, in a book that's kind of chock filled with heroes. Um, this book, uh, uh, you know, Matt 
Matt with Aludra. Uh, Rand kind of has less of a hero's journey and more of just like this journey into self uh, nihilism and and whatnot. But it, everything he's doing is pretty. Yeah, he's fucking killing dogs and shit. We have parent rescues um, Gaul. Parent rescues gnome. Parent rescues Fire. <laughs> Rand kills a dog. Rand kills another dog. Rand kills some people. Rand, Rand, Rand kills people and, and, and puts them on their knees. Yeah. Rand kills hopes and dreams. Yeah. So actually, God, well, I mean, maybe after we talk, finish the episode, we can continue talking about Rand, Jack. But like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, what the fuck is going on with Rand? Go but, on, Dan. Yeah. Well. Okay. I have been told that there's a little thing driving him slowly insane, but crazy little thing called love. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like I have a little thing driving me insane too, but I work it out once. Well, that's the hand inside of you. <laughs> that's a, that's a very good point. So, yeah. so in regards to parent, um, I find that he uh, is. There is no doubt that he is like the top hero to me, anyways, in this book. Um, he is time and time again. He, I think he does three or four straight up heroic things. Um, the the ending, as far as uh, Campbell's um, one through seventeen list, the ending does get a little fuzzy around him, and we are combining quite a few things. Saying, "Well, uh, him with Fael kind of combines this two, three things." Uh, with that said, he is a true hero. I give you a 12 and a half. What? We've never gotten half points before, but I love it. There you go. 12 and a half. Unprecedented. You're not even on the border. You're now you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're comfortably. comfortably. Yes. Mm. Well, well spoken. Well debated. In my defense, uh, I really wanted Alex to pick Matt because then I, we could have really chat on uh, notions of her- heroism. But I think choosing parents was. Uh, was uh, I'm sure robot. we'll do a Matt book eventually. Yeah. Matt okay. would be much more ambiguous. Uh, parent is goddamn. He's just. He's just 100. Hero 100, baby. <laughs> do the 100 emoji. <laughs> if if Perry was a Harry Potter character, which one would he be? Well, he'd sort himself into Hufflepuff, but he's definitely a Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> so, I, what is it? Falchi? Hmm. Is he a Weasley? He's Fox no. the Phoenix. I don't know. Did you look at his sweater? He'd probably tell you he'd relate to Cedric Diggory oh, and then he'd actually be. Not. I can see him as Cedric. I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if one day Perrin's self-image cap- actually catches up with the person that he is. Raffo. Raffo, yeah, exactly. Raffo, read and find out. Wah, 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 wah. Uh-huh. Uh, or Raffo. We have Perrin oh. as a hero. Good job, everybody. Uh, you're being... You're being asked to be, join our first time reader show but you're yeah, a totally. book ahead of us it's not really gonna work you'd have to like stop for months and months and months we but your love- insights are wonderful i love talking to you jack this is so great. jack real quick though like before we go any further 
what are your like wildest predictions about what the fuck is going on in this book? I always hate playing this game. It happens every time we do Wheel of Time. Well, I mean, I, um, I never like playing Doctor, but you have to play Doctor with the neighborhood kids. Because <laughs> well, we hold them down. Okay, guys, our, our, our podcast and YouTube channel are going to be the first evidence of, uh, of as federal evidence in a case. And, uh, <laughs> we're all but that's just Zach's white collar crime, so don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> Come and get me, puppet police. <laughs> yeah, I have no fingerprints. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm not scared of you, Shane. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, Jack, like, give, well, first off, you're loving it, right? Loving it? Yeah, I, I, I am genuinely, I, I, can, I, can, I can safely say with this book, I, I have officially crossed into being a personal fan of it as well as just enjoying it as one of our books on the podcast. Um I don't think I can take an accurate grasp on what's going to happen with Rand because the only time I speculate on his future, these two just make snide comments about how his love life's going to get even weirder. So I don't want to think about it. Oh, no, yeah, There's also lots of references to people sharing him in this book, which is uh-huh. clearly an indication uh-huh. that it's going to get weirder. Sharing um, is very scary. new age. Very new yeah, age. Um, I imagine that we'll probably spend another full book on a similar arc with Perrin really ramping him up into be right matching on like a power level wise having something that makes him special and unique in a magical sense as well as right the beginnings that we're getting here um i'm really looking forward to our next matt centric book because his luck mechanic is so interesting and i think that at the moment, he's the one that hasn't gotten the most focus on his own growth. So I'm looking forward to watching him turn. Right, we've got signs that he's going to be both right, incredibly clever and incredibly skilled. So I'm looking forward to watching him get the next coming of age arc. Do you think the parent is going to continue to be well, all right? So to me, he treats the wolves like uh, like Paris Hilton treats the paparazzi. He hates uh, them, but he needs them. And yeah. I, I, I give wow, two. I give us two to three books because uh, again, the length of the series always makes my math impossible. Two to three books before he has embraced his wolfness. Right on. He's right on. he's going to right as I joked earlier with saying I wish he'd hurry up and get to it. Right, that part of it. You, I know that. Right, you know that Rand is eventually going to come into his own, and therefore Perrin and Matt both have to come into their own as equally important figures and. For Perrin, that seems to be accepting that he is important, both in this wolf dream sense, and I assume for him, becoming right uh, a noble leader. I don't know yeah. who he's going to turn out. I, I how he's like, going to end I up? Feel, yeah, I feel, I feel like Perrin is like a Chippendales dancer, but they really want him to be like the lead dancer, and everyone <laughs> knows he needs to be the lead. They're like you're dancer. so hot, you're so hot, man. And he just doesn't understand just his mag, his like captivating yeah. like sexuality. Right, you, you seem to understand the like politics that happened behind the scenes at a Chippendale. That's not something I can easily relate to. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, yay. Well, you know, we have a whole series for Patreon. We'll get into it. <laughs> our OnlyFans. It's our OnlyFans. Yeah. No, uh, Ryan. Ryan, I I pictured parents are kind of more like only puppets, um, like an arc. emo band. Only, hey, wait, 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 Zach. 
Yes, only puppets. Only puppets. That's great. Only puppets. Only puppets. Only fans. Only puppets. Yes. You don't have to be lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would picture Perrin kind of more like an emo band that writes songs about how shitty it is to be on the road. But you're like, but being on the road is kind of awesome. And I don't you know. Write yeah, songs yeah. And earn money. I mean, you're making money off these songs, so these songs are even kind of awesome that's kind of like uh parent with his wolf he's like he's like ah oh, it's such a drag to be a wolf have better vision it's go on so, my go smell on. i can smell emotions ain't that weird go on but also you're all really jealous <laughs> but i hide my eyes in shame i always thought oh. of parent as like the singer of creed I just want to go home. All right, like, like put that in your head, Cannon. Parent is a singer of Creed. Oh my God. Uh, well, Jack, I will say, we... if, there was a, if there was a world where contacts exist, I imagine that he'd be wearing contacts for this book and the next book, and he'll probably take those contacts out and accept his yellow eyes sometime <laughs> soon Holy after that. Shit. And funny story, Parent actually sings like Freddie Mercury. He's way up in the register. Oh damn! He's like under pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah. My 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 final parting uh, summation thought is: I finally think with this book, I understand why Alex once said, "Man, the world probably would have been a lot smoother if Perrin had been the one that was born, the Dragon Reborn." <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. Perrin is way cooler than Rand. <laughs> I know, that, you know that's an interesting thought. Experiment, Fuck though. yeah, it is. <laughs> huh. right, I feel well, like the some... discussion has uh, re-energized Ryan from his uh, tiredness. <laughs> I'm, I'm so... You're back, I'm, baby. I'm back. All right, so where are we at? Zach, You've covered Jack, it. Alex, are You've we in the departure? Are we yeah, done? Yeah, we, we've covered it. We've decided that Perrin is uh, a hero by all... So who uh, won? Measurements. Uh, Alex Aaron. crossed the threshold, which means hey, I think we all win. So, Alex, I just want to tell you, I've always loved you. Zach, you're my new favorite human ever. You look like Elliot Smith when he was alive. Zach, I love how you like are sauntering, like you're constantly leaning back, like like nothing matters. But I do believe you capture life by the balls and you take things seriously. <laughs> I love you guys. I hope we come back for the next book and somehow analyze another character with Jack. This is amazing. I love, I think our chat is really enjoying this. We've had a great audience this whole entire time. Yeah, guys, Rob from Malkier Talks posted the link to uh, A Hero's Journey in there, their anchor. Yeah, there it is. Guys, subscribe. It, it, this kind of conversation without our interruptions is still just as fun. <laughs> <laughs> Better. I don't know why your anchor FM is a hero percentage 27 S journey. Well, you guys should figure we've that only, out. We're, we've decided we're only going to meet X number of episodes. And we're 27, <laughs> 27 seconds. <laughs> 27%. Holy shit. This has been super fun guys for reals. It has. No. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you so much for having us on. Uh, and for anyone who goes looking, make sure you follow that link because you might accidentally end up with a podcast called A Hero's Journey that's about poker players that we don't understand. Mm. Yeah. It <laughs> make any no. sense. I'm uh, intrigued. Go on. 
But that's <laughs> it. We don't know anything more yeah. about it. We, we, we just plugged our, uh, our mortal enemies, and they're now going to get all our followers. So good job, Jack. So if you notice, we, we did have some placards here. You guys were reserved in our tavern tonight, if you look just right to my... Uh, yeah, I, I right. liked as the judge that I got a table separate from them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, get away from them. Awesome. <laughs> All right, awesome. well... Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank thank so you. Yes, thank you. We are closing the tavern door. All right. <laughs> you guys have a, a traditional sound a send-off, like a, a way to close your show? As yeah, always, I've been your host and judge, yeah, Jack. This is Alex. I'm Alex. And I'm Zach. <laughs> I wanted to be Alex because he won. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's start over. Oh, Three, two, one, go. As always, I've been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. And, and I'm neither of them. I'm and Ryan. I, I'm, I'm, Ryan. A, I'm Ryan. All right. You guys are best. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for having us on. <laughs> yeah, this crossover episode, no, we you. will do this again. This has been super fun. Again, we are the way of the leaf. This is a hero's journey. We've been combining our shows. We will have a of the hero's journey. A way of a hero's journey. If you guys like this kind of content, let us know. We'll do this again. Until next time, have a great night, guys. And thanks everyone for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this collaboration. Uh, like Ryan said, we're going. We're looking forward to doing this again with the Way of the Leaf. So if you liked them, uh, go follow their channel. Look out for more videos from them. Next week, we're going to continue our discussion on the Dragon Reborn, discussing other characters besides Perrin with Jenny from Lesbian Nerdy, also on YouTube. Yay! Oh, thank you.